Hello and welcome to episode 295 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. And we do have a topic today, but I'm so hesitant to introduce it that I'm just going to introduce the panel first. Uh, with me today is Peter Treisenberg. Hi, everybody. And Alana Hags. Hey. And Zach Wilkerson. Hi there. And Eva Padilla. Here we go. <laughs> Alana Peters, Zach, Eva. Five years ago, in the summer of 2016, we did two episodes called The Essential Ten that were basically um, four of us Retro Encounter panelists arguing our way into an official podcast top ten. Uh, we used the adjective essential, but really it was a list of bests, favorites, recommendations, just, just sort of our own weird list of ten that is sort of the Retro Encounter RPG Hall of Fame. And uh, it was a slightly stressful recording. <laughs> like Some of the arguing, arguing got a little heated. I, I'm not thrilled with how... Uh, with, with how like annoyed I got with some of our panelists in that episode, basically everyone besides Marcos. <laughs> but uh, it was a popular episode. People still uh, mention it to me when I interact with listeners and other staff. So we decided that on its five-year almost anniversary, it was time to bring it back. This is the Essential 10-2. We are going to try and make another top 10 list for Retro Encounter. It is not. Uh, it is not ranked. It is not very specific, but it is our top 10 favorites, top 10 recommendations, top 10 essential games. But this isn't exactly going to be the same as five years ago. All four of you have listened to the old episodes and know mostly what you're getting into. Uh, Peter, you were there with me uh, five years ago, weren't you? Mike, for some reason this leave call button isn't working. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I was on the original Essential 10. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm here of my own free will. Um, and I'm excited to participate. I, I, I think, um, Zach, you were a listener of the podcast before uh, joining sure RPG was. Fan. So uh, did, uh, did you listen to Essential 10 in the moment or maybe a little bit after it aired? It was basically as they were coming on. It was, uh, it was a time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's certainly, I think, uh, maybe the most distinct episodes of, of Retro Encounter. <laughs> There's nothing quite like choice that. word. <laughs> yeah, and and, and and like podcast episodes that rank things or argue a lot are certainly not unusual. But it's not really what we do in Retro Encounter, so it mm-hmm. it was pretty unusual for what we are. Uh, it started out with Josh wanting to make a list of uh, no no of like determining what the best RPG of all time was, and I didn't like that idea at all. And so we he and I argued back and forth a little bit, and we sort of ended up. Uh, making it a an unranked top ten was our was our compromise. Um, uh, Eva, you were also a listener of RPG Fans podcast before joining. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you listen to Essential Ten before uh, around when it came out? Maybe. Oh, I sure did. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I yeah, I think that's uh, for for some of you. I don't think I've ever heard y'all so uh, exasperated uh, by the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, by the end of it, I just, want, I just wanted enjoyable. it to be. I just wanted it to be over by the end of it, so I probably just agreed to some stuff that I wasn't planning on agreeing to. Hey, it happens. It's... I mean, you like Kingdom Hearts on the list, so you must have. <laughs> and remarkably, the Kingdom Hearts isn't on this year on this year's <laughs> list, so I'm I'm actually feeling a little bit, uh, you know, less exasperated that I did maybe going into part two uh, five years ago. Uh, Consider this mercy. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, so Alana, I, I think you, you've told me that you have listened to that episode. Is, is there any uh, takeaway from it that you're, you know, at least is in the back of your mind going into these episodes? Any strategizing? Any, any, any worries? Any hopes? I'm pretty passive, so I don't really know what I'm doing here, first of all. Like, I don't have any particular strategy. Um, yeah, I just, I hope it doesn't turn into a bloodbath, because that's not my thing. But I'll do my best. Okay, maybe it won't be a bloodbath, but maybe it will be Bloodborne, because that is one game in our th- list of 35 here. That so, uh, uh, <laughs> that, that was one of the weaker transitions I've ever made on this podcast, <laughs> but now I have to live in, live in my shame. But, okay, listeners, uh, th- this is how it went five years ago, and, that's how it's go- and this is how it's going again this time. I'm just going to lay out a few ground rules, a few, uh, a few base... A few base expectations. Um, each of us made a top 10 list to submit for the, for the podcast independently of one another. And then uh, when we combined them together, there was, there was some overlap. So we ended up at a list of 35 games. So these 35 games, we eventually have to get to a list of 10 for our special essential 10 retro encounter hall of fame or what have you. And so from this list of 35, we're going to take turns making cuts and locks. Basically, um, removing games from consideration and then moving them forward to our second recording, which will be uh, uh, next week, of course. Um, so after two rounds of cuts and locks, that'll basically lock 10 and cut 10. Our list of 35 will become a list of 15. And then we will spend the last part of this episode getting that list of 15 to a list of 10 through a uh, an unruly, no-holds-barred uh, set of arguments to make to sort of cut that fi- those final five games. But um, during this process, in those first two rounds of cuts, if uh, if someone on the panel has a major uh, problem with a cut that is taking place, they may veto that cut. But every panelist has only one veto, and the vetoes can only be used in those first two rounds of cutting. Uh, at the end of this episode, that'll give us a list of 20, and in uh, part two, we will get that list of 20 down to a list of 10. But let's see, is there, is there anything else I meant I haven't mentioned? Oh, right. I forgot to say that uh, the uh, the original Essential 10 from 2016 are out of consideration. Those cannot be removed from the Essential 10. They cannot. They are not part of this round of voting. They are permanently enshrined in the Retro Encounter Essential 10, and thus are not up for consideration. So do not feel bad if you don't hear us argue about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Chrono Trigger, Diablo 3, Final Fantasy 6, Kingdom Hearts, Mass Effect 2, 999, 9 Hours, 9 Persons, 9 Doors, Persona 4, Steambot Chronicles, or Xeno Blade Chronicles, because those 10 aren't going anywhere. But we do have 35 more games to consider. So before we begin cutting, locking, vetoing, arguing, possibly ending friendships that have lasted multiple years, uh, are we ready to hear the official 35 contenders? Let's hear it. Okay. I'll try to employ my old speed speaking skills from uh, <laughs> that I was honing many years ago and read them down in semi-alphabetical order. <clears throat> Bloodborne, Danganronpa Trigger, Happy Havoc, Dark Souls 3, Disco Elysium, Dragon Age Oranges, Dragon Quest 11, Earthbound, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy 9, Final Fantasy 14, Lunar of the Silver Star, Lunar 2 to Eternal Blue, Mother 3, Nier Automata, Okami, Persona 5 Royal, Persona Fantasy Star 4, Pokemon Black and White, Shadow Hearts, Skies of Arcadia, Elder Scrolls 5, Skyrim, Skyrim. Stardew Valley, Suikoden 2, Tales of the Abyss, Tales in the Sky, First Chapter, Tales in the Sky, Second Chapter, Transistor, Undertale, Vagrant Story, The Witcher 3, The World Ends with You, Yakuza 0, Zelda A Link to the Past, Zelda A Link Between Worlds, Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's 35 games, and we will be discussing them over the past, hopefully, less than 2 hours and 35 minutes. 
All right, we didn't really determine an order before uh, recording, so I'll just go with the order that we had in the Google Doc with um, the cuts going alphabetically and then the locks going uh, going anti-alphabetically. So, and, and yeah, I think I want to do the cuts before the locks. But um, but don't forget, don't forget, if you strongly object to a cut, you may use your veto, but you only have one veto. I think uh, when we did this five years ago, we didn't do a very good job of counting the vetoes, and I, and I think that Marcos didn't even use his. So we'll try to be a little bit better with the bookkeeping of the podcast this time around. So, Alana, please make the first cut of the episode. <laughs> oh, God. The pressure's on. Very much so. It's okay um, to hurt people's feelings. All right. I don't Except mine. <laughs> I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Especially hey, hurt my feelings. There's a sisterhood, Eva. Don't worry, I won't hurt your feelings. Um, but, like, I think... Be nice, I'm fragile. The first thing I'll cut is Dragon Age Origins. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. So let's, um, let's talk about it. I thought you wanted pain. <laughs> exactly. Not yeah. Like um, this. You said hurt people's feelings, so and it Not was like this. you were the only person to do it, if I'm right. Um I'll be honest, like I I guess being us, we are kind of a Japanese RPG catered website more. But we've got a couple of Western RPGs on this list and this is the bottom of the pile out of the ones we've got for me. Um I think that I don't know. I, I probably this is terrible. I haven't really come on with a case other than the fact that I think that maybe one or the other is a bit more important. I don't know. Okay, well, I am a little disappointed because this was one of the games that was on one of my lists or I should say on my list for 2021. Um it's probably my favorite BioWare game. I really like the world they created. It it's basically a traditional D&D style high fantasy world you even p- pick warrior major rogue at the beginning for your, for your main class for the whole game and it has really cool interpretations of things like RPG elves and dwarves I love the dwarven society in Dragon Age Origins which I unironically call Dragon Age Oranges all the time uh, <laughs> the joke's never going to get old yeah it's an inside joke between <laughs> me and some and some uh, non-RPG fan friends that goes back about a decade but um, am, I, am I the only person here that's played and enjoyed Dragon Age Oranges I played like maybe the first few hours and, I, and I'll, I'll be honest I agree with Alana like if um, given that our lists in general are very uh, Japanese <laughs> RPG centric for the most part um, and if I'm going to pick a Western RPG, um, well, I've got one on my list that I would pick over it, but also some others. Um, so I, I think that it's a great game. It's, it's probably worthy in lots of, lots of categories, but, um, I, I think that there's just better stuff on the list. Yeah. yeah. I, I played, I played one hour of it and I just, I, I wasn't really, uh, liking it from an aesthetic level and just never really picked it up after that. Sorry. 2009 was a different time, but it, it is weird uh, it to, to have, I, I don't know, like like a skirmish inside a castle wall and then a conversation with it with one of your companions right afterwards, but you're both just covered in blood from the fight that just happened. Yeah, <laughs> that, is a, that is a very mid-2000s choice. It, um, it's, it's late 2000s. I think, I think this was 2009, right? Because it was I after... Is, yeah, either 8 or 9. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Dragon Age was or Dragon Age One was after Mass Effect One and before Mass Effect Two, so so right so when Bioware was in their shit, so to speak. Right. 
Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't have any beef with Dragon Age or Orange Oranges. It's better than the guy who used to pronounce it Origins. That was like, okay, stop. <laughs> well, who but, does um, that? What? Uh, some some YouTuber guy. So, so who is this person? And let me never talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, it was cringe. But um, uh, but um, I, I don't have any issue with the game itself. Um, the the console port was pretty wonky, but um. Yeah, I, I played uh, it on know. PS3. I'm I'm very aware of the wonk. <laughs> um, and I would like to see them like I would like to see them like do the Mass Effect Legendary Edition treatment with it. That'd be I think that way I would appreciate it more then. But for me, um, what rubs me the wrong way about it is like Eva said, the aesthetic level, the blood splatter. I think the character designs are honestly really ugly. And um, moreover, the marketing was terrible. Like, do you remember the uh, Marilyn Manson song they used in the oh, trailer? Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Oh, no. That just yeah. unlocked something. <laughs> that, that's, reason, yeah. that's reason enough to disqualify. That is a deeply <laughs> repressed memory, but oh my god, that was a choice. If you thought the super, the super slowed down version of What a Wonderful World from Dragon Age Inquisition was bad, it was considerably, wor- it was considerably worse uh, five or six years earlier. That's our first cut of the show. Dragon Age Oranges... I'm a little disappointed because I was on my list, but it is nowhere near the top five or six games I care about on my list. So I am not going to spend a veto. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, hold any grudges. But maybe it's time to start, you know, making some enemies on this podcast. Eva, it is your pick for the next cut. Well, I think we should con- continue having uh, holding a grudge against Western civilization. So I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to say Skyrim. So, Jordan um, Peterson has entered the chat. Yeah, yeah. Twelve ways to get Skyrim out of this damn thing. Um, anyway, so Skyrim. Um, I've I mentioned this to the the other panelists previously. Um, it is the game I have played the most of that I have the least positive things to say about in terms of um, like I I think I I basically spent one summer just playing it. Um, you know, like the the year after it came out or so. Um, I remember basically nothing, and uh, I, uh, I I don't really hold particular fondness for it. It's just kind of bland to me. I don't really dig uh, Bethesda games at this point, so that's, that's just where I'm at with it. Yeah, it's funny, really, isn't it? Because, like, Skyrim is held up as such a landmark, but, like, Bethesda over the years, I feel like more than any other company get away with a lot of stuff that I find really frustrating or extremely like (sighs) malicious is not the right word, but certainly there are certain things they've done over the years where I've kind of gone, I don't really agree with that. And Mm -hmm. Skyrim in particular, like I remember at the time it came out, like a lot of people were like, Oh, it's not oblivion. It's not Morrowind. And actually I remember oblivion a lot more than I do Skyrim. And I'm kind of wishing I picked Skyrim instead of a, like dragon age now <laughs> instead for my first cut. But, yeah. Like I've watched friends play it multiple times. It was an old friend's favorite game. And it's, it's just bland. Like, you know, there's nothing, there's tons to do, but it just doesn't excite me. And again, maybe that's just my slant on what I'm interested in, but I mean, yeah. I just think the storytelling is really weak. <laughs> um, it's just like <laughs> side quests of the game um, and the, the combat's weak. Um, like, I understand its popularity. I get why it would be popular with some people, but if Eva hadn't cut it, it was definitely 
in red highlighter first on my list to cut. <laughs> um, because I just actually think it's a bad game. I don't think it's very fun um, <laughs> at all. Um, I, I spent maybe 30, 40 hours on it, which and I think that's the longest I've ever played a game that I didn't like, um, which is very similar to Eva. I, I just, I again, I know we're hating on Western RPGs, but I, I just think there are significantly better choices on this list. I, I think I'm slightly more positive on it than than the the three of you. Um, I, I, similar to Eva, I played it a couple years after it came out, put in fifty or sixty hours over a summer. I, I beat through the I went through the main story, did a couple of the big side quests. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Like my, my strategy for most of the game was like summon an elemental thing, then I, then summon a, a conjurer bow, and then shoot enemies with my b- magic bow while my summon was attacking them. But then when I did that exact strategy for 100% of the encounters in the game, it maybe got a little boring. Um, like Skyrim is a, a very empty feeling map, and for every cool thing that happens, like like the Dark Brotherhood story or uh, certain moments of the plot or, or certain maybe uh, circumstantially cool battles against dragons and whatnot, for every one or two of those, it's just there are there it's just hours of empty maps and uh, and bandit hideouts, and I, I think that. Skyrim is not bad. Uh, I don't hate it, but I really don't have any feelings towards it one way or the other. And I played that thing for fifty plus hours. But um, but Peter, you're the one that had it um as one of your nominations. Uh, uh like um, wh- why does Skyrim deserve to stay? So I my, I agree with all of you and all of the points you've made about Skyrim because I don't really like it either. Um, when it came out, I was very fervently in my anti-WRPG phase. Um, and while I've mellowed out on that um, quite a bit, um, I still don't like... I don't like... I, I don't really hate the game, but I don't really like Bethesda. I don't really like their um, design philosophy of release unfinished game and let the modders fix it for us. But with all that being said, I do think Skyrim is a very influential game, for better or for worse. I think that it sort of created a zeitgeist in open world RPG design that is still ongoing. Yeah, I, I, I really think Dragon Age Three was made in Skyrim's image in many ways. Yeah, yeah, Dragon Dragon Age Three, I would argue Breath of the Wild and Horizon in their own way. Um, although, like, there are so many games that have taken what Skyrim did and iterated on it and made it more engaging and more interesting. Um, but um, that sudden surge of popularity, I feel like, really did shape the industry for a while, which is why, even though I personally don't really enjoy it, I, um, I, I do feel like it objectively fits the qualification of essential. So this is me being a little, um, a little weird about my choice of pick here. But, okay, um, you, so uh, nominating a game that you just told us that you dislike. <laughs> uh, I, mean, well, I get it. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I understand. But we're talking about like, so if I was going to recommend something in Skyrim's image, you know what I mean? Like, I would recommend something that was actually good. You know, I, I, so I understand where you're coming from in <laughs> right. terms of it being something. And I, 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 I say good. Like, I could make anything half as good as Skyrim, but you know my point. Like, I would recommend yeah, I, something I, that I, takes those ideas and makes it and makes it something that actually is enjoyable to play. I totally, I totally, I totally get that. But my counter argument would be that um, if you were looking at a list of games that defined 
what the RPG genre is in its current state, I feel like Skyrim would have to at least be mentioned. Even if it's do- it doesn't make it on the final list, I totally don't have a problem with us cutting it. All right, so you're, you're, so like you're not going to go even weirder and veto the cut that was Oh, just no, made. I'm not wasting my veto on this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Todd. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying right now. I hope you know that. And no, Beth- Bethesda okay, was dead to me as soon as they moved their offices away from Bethesda to Rockville. I mean, come on, rename yourselves <laughs> right? Rockville Studios, you cowards. <laughs> I'm going to open my Yu-Gi-Oh card binder and I'm realize that Todd somehow installed Skyrim on it. I don't know how that's, <laughs> phys- I don't know how that's physically possible, but he did it. Um, Todd, what but- did you do to my microwave? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make pasta and instead I got bandits. <laughs> the only Todd that I that matters to me is Todd Snap. Yes. <laughs> what a good say, boy. I was going to say Todd McFarlane. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Okay. Now, we're, if we're talking about our favorite and least favorite Todds, I think it's definitely time to move on. Um, uh, Peter, uh, after you know having to defend one of your picks, now you get to finally remove one of the picks from the game. Not just send it to the graveyard. You get to send it to the Shadow Realm. Ooh, Shadow Realm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Eva, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna vote we should cut Transistor. I'm gonna veto that. All right. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> That was fast. Transistor moves to the consider list, which... So, uh, Transistor, um, Eva and Alana, you and I uh, talked about this game quite a lot on a podcast episode last year. Uh, I I think Transistor's pretty great. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I think it's great enough to be in my final 10, but at at least least probably the final 20. Uh, uh, Eva, you that was a very decisive veto from you. Uh, t- t- tell us why Transistor belongs in our top ten. I think Transistor is uh, an entirely unique game on this list. I don't think there's anything that plays or tells a story or has the interplay of mechanics, aesthetics, and narrative that Transistor has. Um, and this is, you know, we're R- we're into RPGs. All of these games are like. Almost all of them are dozens of hours. Transistor is a game that I can recommend to just about anyone, even if they don't really have an interest in RPGs, but know how to you know, work a controller and be like, okay, here's this game. It's eight hours. It's brilliant. Do you want to see what games can do when they're firing on all cylinders and making very few mistakes and reaching some pretty incredible heights in a short amount of time that's what i see with transistor and that's why i'm like <laughs> immediately vetoing it it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite games of all time and i think it's i i knew that this game was going to be the one that i would have to fight for the most on my list i'm going to scrape and claw as far as it can go so Mm, yes, chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I knew you'd fight for it either because I know how much you like it. Um, I, li- I, I think, Solosi, you and I are probably on a more similar page with Transistor. Um, I do really like it, and I don't know whether it would, if I had a 20, I don't know whether it would make it, but I think certainly Supergiant's entire library you could make a case for in different ways, and that's their entire thing, right? Like, I feel like if I'm going to try and get somebody into RPGs and you know, um, they've never played one before. I think any of their games would really fit here. So I'm absolutely not surprised to see one of them here. Um, Transistor certainly has the art, the music, and the definite, like, story 
telling to do to deserve its place but i may have other issues with it that i don't know whether i would keep it in but i'm interested to see how far it goes basically yeah i'm i'm in a similar boat to alana i i think if this was if we were um cutting it down to 20 i would at least have um transistor strongly considered but uh, maybe not a 10 this is again again this is just my me trying to divide this list of 35 into rankings but i think that well okay i should also mention this there's no rules as to why a game deserves to be on the 10 or not you can do it because it's a personal favorite you can do it because you think it's a it's a it's very important to the genre like peter said with skyrim or you can do it like as you think it needs representation like i I don't think Transistor is one of my favorite game uh, games in this list. I mean, it, it isn't. But do, would I think it's cool to have a Supergiant game on the top ten? Because I love Supergiant and love what they are and their aesthetic and what they re- represent? Yes. That, that, that would maybe knock Transistor to a uh, top 20 to an I accept this being in the top ten kind of position. Because, again, there's, there's no rules as to why something does or does not belong. Just follow your heart. But... I think Transistor is beautiful and cool. It's not it's not my favorite Supergiant game, but it's really excellent. And I, I think it's worth discussing a little further. Uh um so and and of course I respect uh Eva's passion and uh, and determination here. So I'm I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna think of uh, of shoving Transistor away from the top twenty, at least for now. <laughs> oh for sure, for sure. No, I um and I like Transistor, like just to complete, make myself clear, I'm I'm being contradictory for for podcast reasons but primarily um the only reason that i would vote to cut transistor is because i feel like of super giants oeuvre it's not my favorite but also Mm -hmm. i feel like it's probably the least i don't want to say least impactful because that is a broad generalization but if i had if i had to pick one of their games to enshrine on a list of again uh, I, I'm approaching this as a sort of objective industry important games. I would probably have gone with either Bastion or Hades. In fact, I'm really surprised Hades didn't make anyone's list. I thought it was going to be on Mike's. Uh, <laughs> just... Remember that our uh, Retro Encounter is only allowed to cover games that are ah, more than two years okay, old, okay. and Hades is a 2020 game. Fair, fair, fair. Okay. I, did, like, I, I did, in fact, consider it for my list before we uh, established that rule. Essential yeah, 10 parts. Essential Ten Part Three in ten years is going to have um, Hades <laughs> on it, um, but um, but and while I like Transistor a lot, I think aesthetically it does a lot of great things. The music's absolutely beautiful. The art direction is really gorgeous. Um, mechanically, I do have a few issues with it, primarily yeah. because. Um, sorry, Juan. No, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, and, and this is something. This is an opinion that. Um, former RPG fan writers uh, Rob Steinman and I kind of agree on. Oh yeah, which he, is, he's he's not a transistor guy. <laughs> he doesn't like transistor at all, and I think I'm a way more positive on it than he is. But one thing we can both agree on is that it's the kind of game where you can, yes, it offers a lot of experimentation in combat builds. But once you find a build that like works, it kind of breaks the whole combat system, and then you just need to use that the whole time. Which for me was the dash with the scattering bombs. Um, everywhere like that was like my move for the entire game once i figured out i could do that uh and that's not necessarily a bad thing there's lots of games with kind of unbalanced combat systems uh, but it is something a point of contention for me all right but uh peter you your turn isn't over yet because that was vetoed you have another cut to make 
Dragon Quest Eleven. <laughs> um, am I going to use it here or not? Yeah. I'm using it here, Vito. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. I, like, I can't want to use it yet, but I will. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, because Dragon Quest Eleven is my favorite game of the 2010s. Uh, <laughs> That's it, fair. It's an, uh, I mean, Dragon Quest is one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, we, uh, there was no Dragon Quest game that made the list in, 20, uh, in 2016. So when I was making my list of submissions this time, I'm like, all right, we need to get a Dragon Quest game on the list. And I want it to be Dragon Quest Eleven because it's the most beautiful, complete Dragon Quest game that draws heavy inspiration from uh, Dragon Quest Three, which is, uh, I think, 1989. Uh, so it's like, it's, an, it's a game, a, a 2017 game with 1989 concepts and ideas that is an incredibly beautiful, satisfying package. And I, uh, it was my favorite game of 2018, which was the year it came out of North America. And I, I feel very strongly about it. So it is, um, I, I mean, I want it to make the final 10, but, I'm, but I am not, it will be a fight to have this, you know, uh, not make it out of out of uh, out of uh, out of this episode. It, it's an interesting thing because it goes back to sort of my idea about what makes something essential. Because um, like, if Skyrim's essential, then like I don't know, Ultima or Dragon Warrior One is essential too. You know what I mean? But I think that in this case, like you're taking a game in a series and like you are honing it to a fine sheen. Um, in a way that, like, it is the if I was ever going to introduce someone to the genre of JRPGs, despite the fact that it is a hundred hours long, it would it would be Dragon Quest Eleven. I, I mean, I think that it's just it, it is a perfect entry point. It's um, breezy, it's light, it's beautiful. It's got great combat, but it's accessible. It's got phenomenal characters. I'm, I'm um, not I'm not sure I like a cast of characters on this list of thirty five that we have here more than Dragon Quest Eleven. <laughs> I, I might, but. Um, yeah, but the point is that I think it is the quintessential JRPG, and it's. It, it, I think it's a perfect entry point. I think it is one of the twenty most essential RPGs ever made. You have nothing to add to that, really. <laughs> um, but like Peter, I'm interested. Why did you go to cut it? Um, well, a I was under pressure. B, um, <laughs> I, I, again, I really love Dragon Quest Eleven as well. So I, I will. I agree with you on all of these points. Um, but again, sacrifices have to be made. And when I look at the company that it's in, um, I feel like there are just other games that I would find more interesting, even though Dragon Quest Eleven is, as you put it, like the quintessential JRPG. And that's always been Dragon Quest's thing, is that it's these... It's kind of the comfort JRPG, you know? It's got... They're, ex, they're really good examples of the form um and sometimes they are even really great games but again in present company with all the other great stuff on this list i'm just like "Mm, maybe i don't know yeah it's really hard because i did i i dragon quest 11 was on my list as well um i did consider five as well um five or even eight like i would have like yeah, but I think, like, whatever Zach said, like, it's basically, like, it's the perfect traditional modern-day RPG. Like, it is 
you know, you don't have to, like, some people I know are really averse to playing anything that's pre, like, 2005 or pre-PS2. They don't like pixel graphics, but they want something that's, like, traditional. And actually, Dragon Quest XI subverts some things as well. You know, it's got Act 2 and Act 3, and yeah, it's 100 hours long, but, like, it's absolutely, like, to a T, right down to, like, you know, how just everything mechanically. Like, it's this nice, perfect blend of traditional and modern and yeah, I, I think I'm going to try and fight for it as much as I can as well. Yeah, I, I will too. I've already spoken on it, but um, I, I am going to fight for Dragon Quest Eleven to make the top 10 and not just the top 20. So uh, expect, right. that, expect that to happen later this episode, hopefully also next episode, but I no guarantees. But also one well, thing I'll that's no guaranteed is that will, will Peter ever be able to uh, be allowed to cut something? Because <laughs> you, 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 we still need a cut from you somehow, Peter. What's okay. It be? Um, all right. My next option would be Witcher Three. I am not going to veto, but I disagree. <laughs> I, I know. I know. All right. Uh, yeah, Zach. Witcher Three was on your list. So, um, why does it deserve to stay? I mean, I. Uh, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Skyrim. I mean, like it. It, it takes. It, when I say like side quest the game, I think you could also kind of call the Witcher Three side quest the game, but the side quests in the Witcher Three are phenomenal. Um, you know, it, it, it's got a great story. Like the, this, the little individualized stories and the way they build and the way that choice actually matters in The Witcher 3. Like, I, I think that it is... Um, I mean, the combat is a little bit wonky. It's not too bad, but it's a little wonky. But in terms of pure storytelling, I'm, I'm actually not sure that I can think of a single RPG that I think is better um, on a moment-to-moment storytelling basis. Um, and, and, and the way that it works together, um, it, it's, it, it was my Western RPG that I included. I, I certainly have more fondness for other games on this list, but I honestly think that The Witcher 3 might be the best game on my list. Um, and that's out of Mira Automata. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to veto, uh, because I, I have other <laughs> places that I know I'm going to need to use it later, but, um, I think The Witcher 3 is a phenomenal game. I... I feel bad here because I haven't. I've never really given the Witcher series a fair shot. I tried playing The Witcher Two and The Witcher Three at different points, um, not recently. These, this was all at least four or five years ago. Uh, but I just never liked the way Geralt moved. It, it's just like like par- parts of it feel sluggish, and like working against me. Where games, even like Skyrim, felt uh, like I was at least more, at least felt more natural, or felt, uh, or the moment-to-moment action was more fun. I know that with The Witcher Three has brilliant writing and is many people's favorite Western RPG or among their favorites for that reason. But I, I, uh, I just couldn't get over that the game wasn't as as fun to play as I wanted it to be. So um, I, I'm not gonna say I don't have a lot to say because because I haven't put a lot of time into The Witcher, but. Uh, Yes, that's not my jam, and I, and I do like a lot of Western RPGs. Yeah, I mean, I like, I don't mind I, The Witcher as a property. I find interesting, and I do find the writing in the game very interesting. Um, uh, it's more to do with, like Mike said, I think that the, all of those games have a fair amount of Euro jank in them, and while Witcher Three keeps it to a minimum, it's still a little unwieldy. Moreover, though, I just don't like the pedestal that CD Projekt Red's been placed on in the industry and I feel like Witcher 3 is sort of the catalyst for a lot of that. So you're holding Cyberpunk 2077 against The Witcher 3? I'm holding kind not exactly not I, not I don't care about Cyberpunk either, 
but the working conditions at CD Projekt Red that have come out since then um, for both while they were working on Witcher and after, I just, I don't know. I, I can't agree with that from an ethical standpoint. All right. So if that was, that, that's, that's more of my reasoning. Well, from an ethical standpoint, I feel bad for the entire genre of CRPG, where the C, of course, stands for Caucasian. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make sure that uh, my cut, which is going to happen in a few seconds, is of a Japanese game. And looking at our list of 35, now 32, it's going to be Shadow Hearts. So I'll move it to the deleted list unless we have a veto in the next several seconds. Peter, you've had a rough first round, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I feel really bad. No one's touched mine. I'm a little scared. Like <laughs> it's, a, it's I don't, I don't, I don't buy. It can go. I, I like I like Shadow Hearts a lot. Um, we've done a po- whole podcast about that where you, that you can listen to and find out how wonderful it is. But it's also very inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't mind taking it off of an essential list. Yeah, we've talked. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I was I- just going to say, if you can find it, play it. I'll say, though, we've talked about jank with a couple of games. Shadow Hearts is an early PS1 RPG that came out at the same time as FF10. And it is janky and pretty ugly at times, and oh, yeah. like it is a budget. It's budget. Like there's no way around it. But like, and I love Shadow Hearts. Like original Shadow Hearts and Covenant, both brilliant. I adore them. But essential, I I, I don't know. Like I, 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 it's just it's aged better than I think I'm giving it credit for. And. Like, I played it, like, a few years after it came out. But, yeah, I certainly think there's a lot more barriers of entry, like, getting hold of it for a start, like, just kind of how incredibly dated it looked even at the time. Like, immediately, it looked like a late PS1 game. And it's there's just lots of little things that make it just... Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would recommend, especially because it's got like it's one of those things like it's got a really strange tone. That I think would be really interesting to recommend somebody, but like, yeah, I don't know whether I would put it up as like not even like as one of my favorites. Like, even if you like give someone a list of ten games I love, it probably wouldn't be on there. But yeah, I, I, I absolutely appreciate that you put it on there, and it's I love the series too. So a little sad to see it go, but like, yeah, it was it was on one of my potential cuts as well. Sadly, I hmm. I'm not sure I would say I love the series. I love Shadow Hearts Covenant. That game is awesome. And I love how weird the first few hours of Shadow Hearts from the New World is, because I I did play that and mostly enjoy it, but I got got waylaid by something or the other. But I've tried to play Shadow Hearts, oh, not over and over, but maybe twice, and both times I'm like, I I don't think I like this. I'm not having fun here. And uh, even though I love Shadow Hearts Covenant... And I want to see how the first part of that story goes, because they are direct sequels um, from the New Worlds, a little bit more detached from the first two. Uh, but it, I, I just don't think Shadow Hearts holds up as a great Japanese RPG, especially since the PS2 library is so loaded. If, if, this, if this list had Shadow Hearts Covenant and not the first Shadow Hearts on it, then I probably would be fighting for it instead of cutting it. But here we are. For my money, I think, it sets, it, I think it's a, a pretty essential companion for covenant because Mm -hmm. a lot of that game's conflict and yuri's character growth is spread across the two games um and i also think that of the series um if we um it's the only one of the shadow hearts games that feels like a spiritual successor to kidelka 
Yeah, um, I agree. That started it all. But that's, I but, mean, is that, I don't think that's important. I, I, I think just Shadow Hearts Covenant I, is a straight up much better game than the first Shadow Hearts. Right, right. I, yeah. But the whole, but the atmosphere and the conceit of we're going to take a survival horror premise and atmosphere and tone and mix it with JRPG mechanics. Um, I can kind of only point to Parasite Eve as another example of a successful yeah. version of those genres. And I think Shadow Hearts is really interesting for it, um, the first one. And the, as they go on, they're still great. Covenant's an amazing game. I would say it's a bit more of a tradi- more traditional JRPG by that point. Yeah, definitely is. Um, I don't think you need to play... I think playing the original Shadow Hearts before Covenant... It certainly adds to the emotional impact. I don't think you need to play it, though, which is sad. I think you should, but I don't think you need to. I really it's... want to, but can anybody find me a copy for less than $200? <laughs> An affordable <laughs> one, yeah. <laughs> I could, I could I lend mean... you mine once uh, it's a little bit more, um, you know, uh, humanly responsible to travel. But <laughs> that's, how, I mean, that's how I got uh, my, my copy was from a generous donation from another RPG fan staffer, so... All right, but speaking of generous donations from RPG fan sta- staffers, Zach, I would like you to donate another cut to our list here. Hmm. I think I'm going to have to pick on Yakuza 0. <sighs> Ooh. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, I don't... Oh, no. I don't, know. I, don't have a, I don't have a veto left. Neither do I. I was going to make it one of my locks. <laughs> um, oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I can't believe this. I, I played... Pass, pass. I'll admit, I've played maybe 10 hours of Yakuza 0. Um, And maybe that's an unfair position to come at it from. Um, I thought it was a fine game, but I played it immediately after Like a Dragon, which I think is a superior game in basically every capacity as far as I got. Um, I thought the combat um, felt pretty stiff. Um, I I know apparently it gets better as you get more abilities. It, It just felt like it felt pretty bloated to me in a way that made it difficult for me to sort of see my way through it. Um, and I think that other games later in the series iterate on some of those ideas in more streamlined ways, lists that I've seen. But again, I've played 10 hours. So, um, but in terms of like games that I can speak to, this is one that I don't think really belongs. I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. It was going to be my one of my locks, maybe my first lock. I'm not sure about that yet, but because uh, I didn't get a chance. But uh, I think Yakuza 0 is just one of the most video gamey video games ever ever made. It has an incredibly entertaining, dramatic story, if you see through it further than Zach did, I guess. And, and it balances this really serious tone with the main story with a completely absurd comedic tone with a lot of its side content that just, I don't know, it just, it just I, that I feel enhances both of those tones. And uh, the, the, the combat is sort of an evolution of, of like, you know, the beat-em-up genre, like your final fights and streets of rages of the world. And uh, the, the characters are really entertaining the deeper you go into them. If you play more Yakuza games beyond Zero, you'll just find certain scenes heartbreaking, avoiding spoilers here. Uh, like, what, what happens... Like, I, I think, conservatively, at least six or seven characters of Yakuza Zero die in later Yakuza games. <laughs> Uh, later in the timeline, Yakuza games, but and and also just the uh, the wealth of mini games from the disco to the karaoke to four 1980s Sega arcade cabinets uh, rep- uh, recreated faithfully. 
I, I don't know. I, I just had I even um, I, I played Yakuza Zero for the podcast in twenty uh, yeah in twenty twenty, and then I even replayed parts of it like several months later because I sort of missed living in nineteen eighty eight uh, uh, Kamarocho and Sotenbori, and I, and it, it it was as as fun as I remembered. I'm I'm a little disappointed that uh, it's being cut this early. I I also am a bit disappointed it's being cut this early because I think Yakuza Zero is a fantastic game. Um, I think uh, a lot of stuff that Solosi says really holds up. This is a game that really lives in the dissonance of being a video game that is trying to tell a serious story um, while also being kind of a period piece. And instead of... Um, there's such confidence to the way it works in terms of living in its inherent silliness or actually giving its characters the space to uh, breathe and grieve and to experience pain. I think Goro Majima is one of the best characters in video games. Um, and I think it's a great game. Um, I'm, I am also sad to see it go, um, but I'm glad we got to talk it up a bit more. Um, I think it's a fantastic game. I understand all your points, and there's a possibility that I didn't see some of those things. But like I said, I, I, the, the first ten hours, it just didn't. It, I, I thought, like I, I played Judgment, where the combat I thought felt way better, um, and I thought the, the characters in Like a Dragon were significantly more compelling to me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, just having played other iterations or other games in the series, I just enjoyed them more. So. Um, to me, like if it's like my third favorite of the ones that I've played, that means that I probably wouldn't move it forward personally. But I, I understand your points. I apologize. <laughs> well, well, that's okay. Well, that's okay. I'll just have to come twice as hard at Dragon Quest Eleven now. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. Well, I was gonna only target Peter's games, but now, now I'm conflicted. <laughs> uh, and wow, I should, okay. I should mention. Um, uh, this is mostly directed at Eva and I, I guess. Uh, the games that were vetoed and that got moved onto the considered list, uh, Transistor and Dragon Quest XI, we can still use our locks on those if we're worried it might not survive the final 15. Uh, so, like, you're not... You, you can put your lock on a game that has not been addressed yet, or you can put a lock on a game that was vetoed if you're, if you're, feeling, if you're feeling threatened that it might not survive. So just, just throwing that out there. Because, uh, like... Um, I might be thinking about doing that, but uh, we'll we'll see exactly uh, where we go. Uh, but we are done with um, the first round of cuts. Uh, Dragon Age Oranges, Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, which are three, Shadow Hearts, and Yakuza Zero are all gone. Now we can get a little positive and start locking games, and hopefully spend a little bit less time arguing because this is gonna this episode is gonna be a long one. I can already tell. And we're gonna go in reverse order this time. Zach, you give us your first lock. Lunar Silver Star Story. All right. Oh. Is my lock. <laughs> mostly because I'm afraid that someone's going to attack it <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking about it because it's not even the best game in its series <laughs> I disagree um, <laughs> gotta say I was eyeing that one too but I also know how important it is um, especially for this site you know right. I mean, yeah, as, yeah. as a person who first started reading RPG Fan before it was called RPG Fan I got here because it was called LunarNet uh, many years ago um, to me um Lunar, Lunar, and Lunar One in particular captures a particular kind of charm and beauty um, that I, I don't think the the second one I think does th- some things better. And I know it's on your list, Lucy, and I think it, it's excellent. And I would be happy to see it go forward as well. But I just feel like the characters are more charming there. 
I feel like it was the game that convinced me that the thing that I care about in RPGs is characters. And I've been playing RPGs for years before I played um, Silver Star Story Complete. Um, but um, I, I just love the interplay. I love um, just even the kind of the cheese of it um, really works for me. I think it, it's just a delightful game. Um, and I would consider it to be one of the most essential RPGs ever made. I, I really like Lunar 1. Um, I, I mean, I'm not making it a secret. I think the second one's better. But uh, I, one thing that I think I love about Lunar 1 that, if you know me, um, is probably not a surprise, is how romantic it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because there's six main characters, and they're ba- they basically are three romantic pairs, and each one is a different kind of romance. Like, the... Uh, two of them are childhood friends that uh, are too embarrassed to say that they like each other and, and won't act on it on, on it until until a crisis happens. Basically, two of them are exes that still like each other but um, but uh, oh. find it but find it difficult to get along. And the game is partially about them reconnecting. And It'd the be last Kyle and Jessica per days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyle and Jessica maybe the two most entertaining in the game, uh, especially especially since the uh, I mean I mean Luna and Alex are kind of vanilla virgins. Let's be honest here. Um, and then you have the last last two, Nash and Mia, who is somewhat of an unrequited love where one really cares about the other. The other one only likes the other as a friend and they, and, and, and their relationship goes in a sort of not, not even a good direction, a slightly unexpected direction that has, that, that, that creates a, a conflict in the, in the group. It's, um, like, it's a very romantic game. It's a very satisfying, good Japanese RPG. I just like Lunar 2 better, which is why I was thinking about cutting it this round. The next round, I should say. That's fair. Um, and, again, yeah, I, I understand why people might prefer Eternal Blue, but I just think there's, like, a... There's an innocence to the first one that I think is lost a little bit in Lunar 2. Um, and I just feel like... And if you're looking at, sort of, like, the full, full scope of the game, like... The, the original 92 release, you know, sort of using those anime cutscenes in ways that I don't think a lot of pl- the games had too much yet. Um, there are other games in this list that I think did use them, but um, to the impact that they did with Lunar. Um, so not just its significance to the site, but also its significance to um, the genre. And also just, I think it's delightful. And that's why I like it so much. Oh, and geez, we're talking about anime cutscenes. It has one of the best anime cutscenes of all time. The the boat song is the most oh. Disney movie moment of any it's RPG lovely. I've ever played. It's it's awesome. Which is why the PS One version is objectively superior. Yeah, why would anyone <laughs> defend the, the 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 Sega CD version when it doesn't have the boat song? Like I like some of its moves with Galleon a little bit better in the Sega CD version. I, I think there's an argument to be made about it, but. I definitely prefer the PS1 version. No, there is a totally fair argument with how it looks, and and uh, and the eight bit um and the eight bit cutscenes are are really good, but it doesn't have the boat song. That's <laughs> that's fair, a problem. Fair. All right, well, okay. Uh, that's now, a deal okay, but now we're gonna do some deal makers instead of deal breakers. We have our next lock, and it is mine. So I'm gonna look through this list a little bit. I should have thought ahead, somewhat. I'm going to correct the mistakes of the past. I'm going to put Skies of Arcadia in the locks. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to do. <laughs> because Thanks, Lucy. <laughs> I know that Alana, may, Alana might have done that on her own. But if I think, look at the games here that I, that I care the most about, that I'm slightly worried about, uh, about, about not making the final ten, and also just to express my intent... Um, Skies of Arcadia is amazing and should be on our 10. And I'm, that's why I'm making it a, a slightly uh, spur-of-the-moment lock right now. 
and, and if there's one thing that I think is special about it that is why it's on my list to begin with, it's the most beautiful world map ever made. It is the best RPG world map. It is awesome. It's so good, yeah. Um, yeah, I was absolutely going to put it in this round, um, and which is the most predictable thing I could have done, but also for similar reasons. Like, in a way, like it, it's probably more inaccessible than Shadowhots is, but I think the world map, the side quests, the kind of joy and the charm that a lot of Sega RPGs sort of bring, it's all there for me. Like, it's it's a piece of magic that will never be replaced for me personally. And, like, I think it's it's going to be a hard sell to get there, but I'm going to do everything I can because I do think it's really important for the genre. And I'm honestly a little bit surprised that more games haven't taken from it and it's not really made a reappearance since. But I think it absolutely deserves it. It's probably the top two game, one of top two games on the Dreamcast, one of Sega's best RPGs and video games. And yeah, it's, it's just wonderful. And right now all we get are Valkyria Chronicles and Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing cameos. Scraps. God. I want to play it, so I'm happy to see it go on. My copy is my copy is of uh, Skies of Arcadia Legends is on loan to another RPG fan staffer right now. <laughs> Ironically, I can't, I can't borrow all your games. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, I have a copy of like both Lunar and Skies of Arcadia, and they're probably two of the most expensive RPGs to get physically, so yeah, ironic that they would both make it through. Speaking of games making it through, Peter, make, uh, give us your first lock. Okay, so I'm also going to lock something that isn't on my list. I'm going to lock Twilight. Wait, that yes, isn't, that, that isn't on your list? Uh, no, it's not. Oh well, I mean, Skies, Skies of Arcadia was on my list, but it was it was also on Alana's list. But um, <laughs> that, that, that's, oh, right, right, that, right. that that's only an unimportant detail. Let's talk about the world ends with you. Yeah, so I actually played The World Ends With You for the first time uh, this year because Eva let me borrow her copy. Um, thank you for that, by the way. Um, and I really I really liked it. Um, it took me... Uh, it, it's one of those things where I had a really hard time getting into it at first because that combat system is a lot to wrap your head around. Um, but once I got into it, I found it to be a really unique and deeply personal RPG that has a lot that more than any other, this is probably the one of the first pieces of media since the original run of neon Genesis Evangelion that really understands what depression and isolation is like. And it spoke to me on a really personal level. And so I think it's a really important game that should be at least up for consideration for the essential fan. I mean, I, I played I, I played the world ends with you for the podcast um, several years ago, and probably twenty sixteen, I, I, I think. Yeah, I was in Cornwall listening to that one. <laughs> well, I, I was so impressed with its visual and mechanical ideas, but they didn't always gel with me. It would sometimes the the um, going through the game was a struggle, uh, especially in like in when you're trying to first learn the combat, and then in. In the th- in the third chapter, where I didn't uh, like my partner character as much as the first two chapters, but it it it, it conceptually goes um really interesting places, and I like how it, it's even though I don't always love Nomura's games, it's maybe the most Nomura game that's ever Nomura'd, and I, <laughs> I I respect it for that. I also I also respect it for not being Kingdom Hearts. That's a positive. <laughs> 
Although those characters are in Kingdom Hearts. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm not surprised. I didn't didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. Uh, Thank you, Peter, for locking this game. It totally wasn't a political move by me to send you this game for this very moment. Um, (laughs) 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 No, I mean, I I adore this game. Um, I think it is a beautiful game. I think it's, once again, kind of with Transistor, Um, It has such a brilliant interplay of mechanics, narrative, and aesthetics. Um, And it's kind of the best use of unique hardware that I've seen. The DS is an entirely unique system, at least at the time, with its dual screen formatting. Um, And um, this game takes advantage of that better than any other game with all its quirks. You know, there be times where you're going to yell into the DS to activate a, a sound-based pin that you have for damage. Um, you have to kind of split your focus between two of the screens to be able to use um, both of the characters' abilities and effects. It is not the easiest uh, game to play. It's not the most accessible. Um, but that's what I find beautiful about it because it fires on all cylinders when your character, Neku, and whoever his partner is are working in harmony and concert. And you can't really get through the game on its uh, you know, purported difficulty without that interplay. And it really spoke to me as a, um, you're, you know, uh, me, Eva, I like to lone wolf things and at times, and it's a reminder, like, no, you can't always do that. Um, so I really love this game. I think it's beautiful. I'm very glad it's locked, and I didn't have to lock it. All right, and uh, speaking of Eva and speaking of locks, it is your time to lock something, Eva. What are you feeling this round? I think I'm going to lock Bloodborne. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. I think that Bloodborne is a. Um, so I played this game um, shortly after I had uh, I had lost a job and I just had like way too much f- free time um, and just really dove into it. Um, and I I guess that's I feel like this is a, a story that happens for a lot of people from soft games. It's like oh, I just had this sort of calamitous thing, so I'm just going to play this oppressive ass game. Um, and uh, Bloodborne is brilliant. It's the combat is so uh, ridiculously fun and fine tuned. I can't wait for it to be in 60 FPS because of you know 30 <laughs> FPS with frame skips, as everyone says. Um, the storytelling in it, um, in its environments, and in all these little nooks and crevices in its world is just brilliant. It really is a game that um, the more you put in, the more you get out. Um, not, you know, not going to spoil it for people, but the mid-game turn that it has is one of the most wild and uh, just absolutely brilliant things I've seen in a game. Um, absolutely horrifying beautiful in some way the music is incredible um the lore is some of the best and most dense i've ever seen um i i love this game definitely definitely want to lock it i have a copy of bloodborne it's even it even it's even free to uh, ps plus subscribers that have a ps5 so i have that version digitally and a version physically um, Rob Steinman has been bugging me to play it for uh, almost as long as I've known him. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. and and uh, it, it looks really awesome. I just have this complex about uh, about From Software games that I, I I don't want to start one because I wor- I'm worried it'll be too much of a time commitment and too much pain and suffering when I could <laughs> be playing something else. And that's most of why I haven't played it. But I I, I I'm really interested in Bloodborne. I uh, couldn't even get to the first boss, but because <laughs> I'm, I'm bad at video games. But um, I, the aesthetics of it, like I, I can totally see. This is based on word of mouth alone. That I think it's probably a deserving candidate, personally. It's it's on my short list to play for sure because um, I've been trying to catch up on FromSoft's back catalog. But I am also bad at video games, so I've tried to play it a couple times, and I've had um, a rough time. But I, I will, I will eventually push through. All right, uh, but we still have to push through the rest of this podcast. We aren't even done with round two out of five. So, uh, so Alana, give us your uh, last lock of this round. Uh, so I'm gonna go with something I also didn't put on my list, but I wish I'd put on my list, and I feel like. People would have expected me to put on my list, but I stupidly forgot about it. I'm going to put Stardew Valley in for a lock. Um, Yay! I have put 250 hours into this game, and it has (laughs) basically... It is my comfort video game of all time. Um, And also, it's like the only game on this list like it. And it's basically changed that genre forever. Like, I may have put more time into Animal Crossing than I did Starview, and I may have put some time into Harvest Moon, Rune Factory, on and off over the years. But nothing has quite grabbed me with the openness, the inclusivity, the like day-to-day routine, the writing, the music, quite like Stardew Valley has ever. And I just think it's an incredibly important indie RPG slash farm simulator that deserves to be an essential video game, essentially. So... Yeah, that's really all I can say about it. Yeah, yay. I'm excited. Yeah, because Stardew Valley is is really fun. And I also, it's just an impressive indie project. Like, the fact that it was, like, this one dude who, like, put a second mortgage on his house to pay for the development. And it was, like, a totally sink or swim thing. Um, it's just really fascinating to me. Yeah, I wish he didn't have to do that. So oh, story I, oh, that I, yeah, no, I know. Don't worry. <laughs> absolutely not. Wish that it wasn't a thing that had to happen. Um, but it is kind of an amazing story, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that like he still updates it, like probably yearly, with major patch content for free. Like, it's had five massive updates for free, like, introducing new characters, new marriage options, new things, new islands. Every year, we get something for free. That game is, like, is, what is it, like, is it $20? I don't think it's $20, is it? And it's, for like... 15 Yeah. I think, and, I think it maybe started at 20 but now you find it for 15 Yeah. So, it's kind of remarkable. It's it's an absolute... It's It, it, it is the pinnacle of that particular niche, so... Yeah, I think it deserves to be in the conversation. All right. Uh, I haven't played a ton of farming games, but I do own a copy of Stardew Valley, mostly because of Alana, Mike Salvato, Hillary uh, talking it up so much. And it's uh, it's cute and interesting, but I haven't put a ton of time into it, so I don't have any meaningful commentary for it, uh, which is uh, I'm too much of my commentary saying I don't have commentary. That's <laughs> That's podcasting in a nutshell for you. But uh, one other thing about podcasting is editing and cutting, and I think that we're back to that round again. Um, 
Uh, let's... You're just knocking these transitions out of the park. Mm-hmm. The last yep. Few. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place this time. I mean, I mean, part of this part of this episode is transistor, so of course it has to have some great transitions. Uh, yeah. But we're doing the snake draft format again, so Alana, it is your turn again, but this time to cut something. What is going to uh, go to the guillotine this time around? Well, I giveth Peter with one hand and I taketh away with another. Dark Souls 3 <laughs> has to be cut, unfortunately, and I think Bloodborne is the superior FromSoft Soulsborn Sekiro leather game. Oh, um, I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> you can you veto? Or? No, he oh. he can. Hold up nope. a minute, because this is the last round where you're allowed to veto. So now it's it's Peter's time to shine if he wants Dark Souls to survive a round. Uh, no, but I agree with you on Bloodborne too. <laughs> so it's okay. I, I will not veto this one. All right. <laughs> it's a shame because like Dog Souls three, you can make an argument for Dog Souls one, Dog Souls three, and Bloodborne. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just think that or three D dot game heroes, three D dot game heroes from software's personal pinnacle. I mean, I, obviously, I'm, obviously. What you what? Not Eternal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. That's, that's thinking of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just think that, like, I think Bloodborne is the one I would pick every time over it. Um, I've played a little bit of both of them, and I just prefer Bloodborne mechanically, visually, aesthetically, lore-wise, in every way almost. Dark Souls Three is great, um, but like, I just think Bloodborne is kind of the refinement of the Soulsborne formula and is the one that should be there over so yeah it's more of a like splitting hairs with this at this point mm-hmm. yeah since we've already locked in bloodborne i won't fight um about this one for for my money um i think dark souls 3 is a great entry point it was the first game souls game that i finished um and i also think it kind of it's interesting because it's almost kind of like a greatest hits album like it is like here are all these things that are based on stuff from Dark Souls 1 and 2, and we've kind of all thrown it into a blender, and and it, and it really does seem, in a lot of ways, the best of those games. Um, they even have some parts of it that are clearly pretty inspired by Blood, Bloodborne, glares at Sister Frida. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, no, I, I again, I won't, I'm not going to fight it. Bloodborne is certainly more unique in terms of its... Um, aesthetics and lore um whereas dark souls 3 is kind of more dark souls but i you know i have asked people separately um what is the best from software game to start with uh and i think rob simon who's played all of them said uh said dark souls 3 or sekiro and uh keegan uh, on a podcast with him when i when i talked about never having finished a, a from software game he suggested dark souls 3 so i think there's some value to this. This is maybe it didn't have the impact that Dark Souls One did, but it has. Uh, but it's sort of a culmination of what Dark Souls is, and is uh, uh, not still a little obtuse, or I should say, a little opaque, but more accessible than its predecessors. It's it's less esoteric, I think. Uh, but yeah, like some of those more opaque systems are maybe brought to the foreground this time. Um, covenants are a little less confusing, I think, um, and and in general, the way the world is laid out, it's not the interwoven maze of Dark Souls One's Lordran, but it's not the teleport to different bonfires hodgepodge mess that is Dark Souls Two. Um, so you kind of have this like nice middle ground where the world is still 
it feels connected even though you are still kind of going from a hub to a bunch of disparate zones. So yeah, no, it's definitely a good entry point if you're looking to jump into the series with a little less difficulty. But if you want to jump, if you want to jump into the deep end, like head first, uh, Bloodborne is where it's at. And we're really dancing around, and we're—I mean, we're all actually wrong because the best entry point for From Software is actually Metal Wolf Chaos. Oh, okay. Correct. I thought, I thought, I thought you were going to throw a curveball and say Kingsfield, but. Yeah. No, why would why would I say that when Metal Wolf Chaos exists? Come yeah, on. <laughs> Michael Wilson is the greatest American president, uh, real or fictional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. the, vi- the vice I- president is throwing a coup. I better go to the secret bunker under the White House and get this giant mecca that we've been developing in secret. God, yeah, how I can wish. you say a bad word against it? I, I, I can't. <laughs> Senator Armstrong is there for some reason too. <laughs> Okay, so I don't think any of the remaining games have have presidents or mecha in it. Surprising, because uh, I mean, no one nominated Xenogears uh, or Xenoblade Cross. But uh, Eva, give us our next cut. Uh, I am going to go with Zelda: Link uh, A Link Between Worlds. Oh, uh, hmm. I it's it looks to be a fine game. I. I'm sure it is good. I've not played it, and I just don't really care much about it. That's 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 all. Not trying Ooh. not trying to be uh, not trying to be harsh here, but that's just uh, yeah. Oof. I don't feel nothing. I mean, it's my favorite Zelda game, giving you a lot of freedom in how you can approach the different uh, the different dungeons, and letting you rent or buy equipment in any order is a really unique uh, vibe and order to how Zelda um, dungeons are. It makes all of the dungeons a little easy because they can't all be quite scaled for difficulty uh, by, by getting them one item at a time, sort of. So, so like, the game will feel a little too hard at the beginning of at, at, right around the midpoint and then feel too a little too easy at, near, near the end point because of the, the weird um, pacing of how it is. But it's, but it's fun weird pacing. And I think it has my favorite Zelda dungeons and my favorite selection of Zelda equipment. So it's, it's my favorite Zelda game, but uh, I guess off the list it goes. I, I mean, I think it's a really fun game, too. Um, but I actually, the, the reason that I chose A Link to the Past over it was what you were just talking about. I think that A Link to the Past feels like the, the difficulty is scaled more appropriately. I like the story a little bit more in A Link to the Past. I like the kind of the feel of it a little bit more. Um, but it is, it's a super fun Zelda game. It's definitely one of my top three. Yeah, traversing the world, um, especially with the... Um the painting mechanic is really interesting. Um, and I do like the free form approach to dungeon exploration as well. Uh, just because, um, it almost feels like a pre- a precursor to what breath of the wild did, um, where it gave you all your powers from the outset. I, I tried to, um, 100% link between worlds a couple of years ago. Uh, and in fact, it was the year that we had Zelda month. So it was 2018 and I uh, got really close, but I cannot get the final hard p- heart piece because the baseball mini game is infuriating. <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> uh, and, and I think you need to get you get like twenty balls, and you have to hit nineteen home runs to get the or some some insane number like that to get the uh, to get the heart piece. So uh, the the one thing I dislike about Link Between Worlds is one mini game holding me off from one hundred percent completion. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, tr- truthfully, the three Zelda games we had on the list, uh, Link Between Worlds, Link to the Past, and Breath of the Wild, might be my top three Zelda games, or at least three of my top four. So I, I'm not I, I'm not heartbroken if my Zelda 
pick isn't the one that makes it, but uh, yeah, it's my favorite Zelda game. Not much else to say here. Oh, I guess there is something to say here. Uh, Peter, we need we need a cut from you. And we still have three people with vetoes, so Peter, you can veto yourself. <laughs> Amazing. Hmm. I'm going to say Trails in the Sky SC. Makes sense. Yeah, given that you brought first chapter in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not going to argue it, because um, part of my case would be that they would basically be a package, which is maybe a bit of a cheat. Um, the reason I picked second chapter over first chapter is I think it's massively superior. That's literally it. It um, is. I, and my favorite is the third, which most people don't consider the one of the best ones. Um, but I can't recommend the third over second chapter, because that's two games as a point of entry and not one. <laughs> right, and that's that's where I'm at. Is like, so I was torn between which Kaseki game to put on my list. It was either going to be this or Cold Steel 1. And while I like Cold Steel 1, it definitely has a fair share of, uh, let's charitably say, questionable content. Um, whereas, <laughs> I think it's worse. <laughs> I know it gets worse. That's why I'm hesitant <laughs> to keep playing the series. Um, but uh, even though I, do, I did really enjoy my time with it, um, but uh, Trails in the Sky 1 is, like, the first retro encounter we ever did. And um, and at the time, I did not like it at all because I was still in school and trying to play this game on a time crunch. And we were still doing three episodes instead of two every month. And it just burned me out immediately. But in hindsight, I think that it is probably the ideal starting point for the trail series, especially considering how accessible it is um, on steam. Um, it it's is the pretty... first game. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it's, 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 it's readily available. Um, it's an old enough game that like you could probably run it on your toaster. And, um, and uh, the story is really sweet. I like um, Josh and Estelle. I like their budding relationship and um, their com- camaraderie and um the and the just the general tone and themes of that story are just so well done um and it all does come to a climax um and ends on one of the world's most infuriating cliffhangers (laughs) because we had to wait years for sc to get localized and that's a whole other can of worms yeah i believe those games are 2005 and 2006 in japan and the localizations happened, respectively, I I think, in 2011 and 2016. So, Something like that. So it, it was a four- or five-year wait for English-language fans um, uh, in the 2010s for that. And and uh, and so that was a struggle. But, I mean, I've, I've played four Trails games, uh, Sky 1 and Sky 2, uh, plus uh, Cold Steel 1 and Cold Steel 2. And my favorite is the one that Peter just cut, second chapter, because it's it has that charm and the character relationships and the and the tone of first chapter, but with bigger story stakes and feeling like uh, like a mission with real urgency and um, and determination when the first one was almost like a like a world tour of this very charming setting. First chapter is valuable setup. And second chapter is really satisfying payoff. So I, I enjoyed second chapter more than first chapter for that reason. But I mean, right. maybe maybe it's a lunar uh, thing where the one I the one I like is the superior sequel, but people have you know uh, nostalgia blinders for the first one for some dumb reason. Well, I guess in my in my case in my <laughs> case though this isn't even in my case this isn't even a nostalgia blinders thing. 
It's just that um, this isn't a Shadow Hearts Shadow Hearts Covenant thing, where you could maybe argue that Shadow Hearts Covenant stands on its own. Trails in the Sky SC does not stand on its own. Yeah, like it's a, it's, it is, it's a very direct sequel. Yes, it is a very direct sequel, and that's the thing about Kiseki is that this franchise is a very interwoven story with varying levels of setup and payoff that you just you really do need to play them sequentially. Um, and that's uh, and and if you don't play FC, then you will not have get the same impact out of SC that you guys are all talking about and that you guys all love. So for that reason alone. I would want to take it off of an essential list. Yeah, can't, I can't argue against it. Like, I love SC, and again, did consider Cold Steel as well, but I have too many problems with those games now on hindsight, or retrospect <laughs> even. And, yeah, first chapter is the perfect setup. Um, I, I knew, when I saw it on your list, Peter, I knew second chapter was not making it, and I was like, I'd made peace <laughs> with it at that point. I was like, fine. <laughs> All right, so we talked a lot about uh, two of the Trails games while cutting one a moment ago. So now it is my turn to make a cut. And let's see here. So long, Undertale. Ah. There are veto. Oh, wait, we have a veto. Okay. Um, I like Undertale. It's... uh, it, it it has uh, it's maybe even more a quintessential indie RPG success than Stardew Valley is because it, it was entirely made by one person except for some except I, I think they contracted in some uh, some visual effects uh, for and and some porting help with other people and and and, uh, and Toby Fox's accomplishment for that is is hugely impressive but I I think it's a game that. I'm going to throw around a term that I hate using, that I've expressed on the podcast that I hate using. I'm not sure there's a more overrated game on this list because there is <laughs> like Undertale has created a community of so of such incredible dedication that I'm almost a little puzzled by it. Like this is a a, a unique, unusual, special game, but I played it once and I don't think I ever want to play it again. Uh, but Jesus, the internet gets weird about Undertale. Um, I, this was a bit of a bait. I was ready to cut it and see what to see what happened, and that's what happened. I like. Undert- I, I, mean, I I understand your point. The the, the mem- memification of Undertale, I think, is the worst thing about Undertale, right? And the and the um, memification of Yakuza Zero is one of the best things about it. But now, <laughs> but, but now I now I really can sing. I've been a fool. <laughs> but I I I think that you know I. I understand that, like, I think in some ways Undertale is held up in ways that nowadays, you know, years later, maybe it shouldn't be as much. But I, I think that I played it much later. I played it, I don't know. I actually think I had started an RPG fan by the time I played Undertale. Um, that I still think there are so many things it does so incredibly well. Like, the music, I think, is just is stellar. Um, and I think that even though it's playing around with like sort of meta narrative stuff in ways that are like trying to talk back to the uh, to the player in ways that are maybe not as fresh today as they were when the game was released, I still think they're incredibly moving. Um, I think that the ending um, in either the pacifist route or the neutral route, um, or even the uh, what's the other route called? Uh, genocide? genocide route. The genocide route, which I've watched. There's no way I could ever bring myself to do that. Yeah. Um, are incredibly moving and incredibly um, interesting 
not from even to me like a meta a meta perspective. I don't really care that much about that sort of thing, but from a, a pure character perspective, I think that it is really really engaging and really moving. Um, and I think that I, I mean I like the combat elements of it a lot. Um, I think it's challenging in a way that is reasonable. I'll admit that I am particularly impressed that it's made by one person, but I actually think that. And I hate to kind of go go back to an argument that we were I was sort of arguing against earlier. I think the, the significance to what it did for indie development and other games that I've played that have sort of clearly been born out of that in ways that I think are really great, um, as opposed to earlier indie games that I'm less impressed with, um, is really important to me. And I, 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 I wept a lot at the end of this game, <laughs> and I, I I can't I can't see it cut yet. I'm. This is a personal thing, but I'm so annoyed at myself for how I played Undertale. I, I knew that there was, um, it there there was it was sort of special to try to beat the game at level one. But at the very beginning of the game, in the first dungeon, when I really wasn't sure what to do, I killed two enemies, and I thought that I would I could still do the pacifist route because I I was still level one because you need I don't I don't know the number exactly, but I think you needed like twenty experience to gain to level two. But I had four or something, so I, I so I played the entire game at level one, thinking I could do the pacifist route, when really I had already locked myself out of it by killing two enemies in the first dungeon. And so when I realized that, I was a little mad, but I still beat the game, and uh, I still beat the game, and, and um and got the sort of normal ending, and, and was and was impressed. Like this is this is a good video game. This is a a, a very unique and cool RPG, but it. it it didn't have a lasting impression with me, and uh, and I am a little bit alarmed at the uh, community around surrounding it. <laughs> that last point, I agree with. Yeah, it's fairly easy to block out, I think, and like I think it's disappointing that the memification of it is what um is what like pervades because like I when I I played it when it first came out, and then I played the Switch port maybe two and a half years later, I think, and. I'd forgotten so much of what made that game important just because of the message that people like seem to take out of it and like spin into its own like community, which is, you know, communities do things like that. They build, they build relationships with each other by making like, that's one thing they do is they make jokes and things and take certain parts out of that game. But there are people there. And I think like, again, it's like an unemotional level. I think there are so few games that have reached that same emotional level as Undertale did for me that like, it's so important in terms of like I, I I I get why you mean I know you don't like the word underrated and I know you used it and I do understand that but like yeah and I, well, I, I should make it clear I, I don't like overrated or underrated yes. because because it assumes a base level of rating and that in term and that in turn is subjective so overrated and underrated are I, I think almost meaningless but I I just used one to try and make a point so <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I, <laughs> right my bad I do think its argument is like justified like it's yeah I've not played anything I, I haven't still really played anything else like it and a lot of the games that try to be like it don't really succeed and come across as kind of again leaning too much into the meta-narrative stuff which I'm less fond of but yeah, those characters, the combat, and the music, and I have done the genocide route, not beaten, but have watched the end. Um, oh, yeah, I've watched the end of that. That that's a challenging looking boss fight. <laughs> yeah, very. Um, yeah, I think it's all very, very smart, basically. Yeah, no, no disagreement here. Uh, I, I like Undertale, but I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I was just in my feelings and decided to cut it. But I still have a cut to make. You know what? This is a reasoning we ha- this is reasoning we haven't really done yet, but 
I don't know if we need certain games on this list that are already on the 2016 list. <laughs> uh, so, for that reason, I think I am going to cut Danganronpa. That's not where I was expecting to go at all, actually. Yeah, because, I thought you were going to come after a P5R, but... Uh, well... Oh, no! The, the, the thing, you already said Danganronpa. Yeah, no, I said Danganronpa. And the thing is, um, Danganronpa is a... I'm uh, vetoing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a visual novel I like a lot, but it, uh, but when I think of like visual novels with that sort of grisly aesthetic, I, I mean, I think of 999 and VLR, and 999 already being on the list, I'm not I'm not sure we needed Danganronpa, but he, but okay, um, it's Saved by the Bell, uh, yeah, which, was wrong, which was wrong by Peter Treisenberg. Yeah, sorry, um... I I, I I hear you on 999 and VLR. I love those games. They're magnificent visual novels. But when I... Danganronpa, A, playing Danganronpa 1 and 2 for the podcast, that was some of the best it gaming was, narrative I've ever experienced. It was, it was really fun talking to uh, you and Alana about those as we were playing them. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, Danganronpa 2, I still hold up as like... I, that was a roller coaster ride, but um, Danganronpa Two is probably my favorite in the series. I'm, is, is it Mine is too. is it weird that I always like the second one the best? Some, is... You know what? That's the second one. Sometimes they work out a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. Back, I get it. Yeah, Mass Effect Two, but not Dragon Age Two. That's the, 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 the not or the Witcher Two. So okay, not I guess Dragon Quest Two, yeah, or Dragon Quest Two, but definitely Shadow Hearts or Two, Ghostbuster, or Ghostbusters Two, or Men in Black Two, or wait, what? Um, <laughs> Um, but um, Back to the Future Two, though that, that, that's that's a pretty good one. Oh, Back, yeah, yeah. back to the Future Two rules. That movie's great. Mm-hmm. But um, back, stay on target. Right, um, right, okay. Danganronpa's internet fame is the reason why I put it on my list, though, because not only do I think it's a magnificent visual novel um, slash adventure game, but also the cultural ubiquity of Danganronpa in like early early aughts tumblr culture was really something um i i was not expecting to hear the words early aughts tumblr culture on this yeah podcast. i kind of want to scrub that out but here, but here we are no 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 i'm leaving i'm editing this episode it's staying in um yeah i mean had you told me a few months ago had you made this argument for danganronpa one a few months ago i would have been like i i like i played the game it's fine i i don't really care much about it um my students love this game. Like Danganronpa, really? and, 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 and you're teaching huge. you're teaching middle school or early high school students, yeah. right? I was gonna say, that's middle a school, yeah. mind you too. Middle schoolers, older. <laughs> the middle schoolers that I've had, and it's not just been like, oh, it's one class, and there, and like, there's one kid in one class who tells them about it. Like, I have had multiple students in multiple different classes at multiple different schools when I was bouncing around subbing. <laughs> That have talked about Danganronpa. Really? And I've been like, why do you know about that? And it's yeah. it's it's a big thing. It's it, it's it's big. Are, are they watching the anime or like playing it on no. PC? No, um, they're they, into the games. They're into the games, they're watching people stream it, um, they're watching the anime. Like they're like it's it's out here. Yeah, and that's and that's that I, I'm really glad you brought that up, Eva, because yeah, that is um like that is one of the things about Danganronpa is that it's sort of hit that weird Five Nights at Freddy's, Undertale, like that level of cultural ubiquity through internet culture. 
um, to the point that, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure that, it, that I mean, it, it, this is before Undertale, like, people were simping for Nagito. Like, it was, it was <laughs> this is, this was totally a thing. So it's, 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 for, for that reason, and that reason, for that reason, I think that Danganronpa deserves a spot because it has had a impact that has spread beyond, like, normal video game audiences. Straight up, I had like I was running a um, I was running a quiz for students yesterday, and they were all picking their nicknames, and one of them picked Celestia Ludenberg. <laughs> so you know, like, it's there. <laughs> you know, I first heard about Danganronpa. I I think it was a Kotaku article reporting on um, either Dengeki PlayStation or Famitsu. Uh, P- basically, like right when the PSP was dying, uh, all, one of the Japanese publications was having everyone vote on what the best, uh, um, PSP game was. And, um, I believe Danganronpa 1 and 2 were two of the top three. And I, so I, I saw this list being a PSP enthusiast and saying, what the f***? Like, like, but it, because I had not, I had not heard of these at all. But then it's like, oh, uh, Japanese teenagers locked in a space murder mystery whodunit. This sounds amazing. I definitely need to play these. And oh, I think maybe a year later, they announced that they were going to um, release them, um, uh, re- release the Vita versions in English. So, uh, and so I, th- I think I like heard about them in twenty in two thousand nine, then played them in twenty eleven, twenty twelve is sort of my timeline with it. And I, I loved them in the moment. They're really good. I just I think if I w- am telling people about visual novels vi- with like w- with a subtext of violence from around this time, I am going with uh, the the nine 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 VLR trilogy and not Donnie Rampa. But oh, this podcast needs to move along, and I still have to cut something. So let me figure well, this out. We are all out of vetoes. I, oh, Alana has no. Alana has the vetoes. Oh no! So do I dare attack Alana's list? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you can attack my list. There's very few things I would veto actually on my own list right now. So yeah. I'm attacking the throne god. I'm looking at these, and I have played literally everything on the list except one. But it would feel very, very cruel to Eva to pick that one. Um, <laughs> I know what one is, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's not that hard to figure out if you if you have the list in front of you as we do. Uh, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cut that. Oof. I mean, if, if that is if that is the way it, it goes, you know, I can give it a nice eulogy. But... No, I, I I think all right. I'm I'm not cutting this, but Disco Elysium is interesting and fascinating to me. So I I I, I think I don't want to cut it because. I would like that discussion, um, whether it's being cut or being locked in or or whatever, uh, to happen later. So okay. I'm I, I'm I'm passing on doing anything to Disco Elysium right now, and just trying to think of what is maybe the game that I care about the least among the rest here. Landing on Fantasy Star Four. I thought you would. <laughs> I'm not going to veto it though. Go for that's, it. That's where I was going to go next. Fantasy Star Four is good. It, it's it is a good video game. I played it last year for the podcast. You can listen to me play through my first single player Genesis game to completion for the first time ever and enjoy myself. But uh, it, it it's a merely very good 16 bit RPG, and I think that there is either something more interesting or something straight up better. Um, among the other games in the combined list is uh th- that that's it i mean the interesting thing about fantasy star 4 to me um is that when we're talking about like those anime cutscene type things and like just like a lot of the storytelling beats that it has 
I think they're really fascinating. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the, the, the story is good and it's fun, um, but it, it's not like transcendent in the way that um, other games on this list are. Um, it's a little grindy for me. You know what? Honestly, my biggest problem with that game was the spell names. Um, <laughs> yeah, the spell names, there's no way to figure out what they do unless you use, use them multiple times in battle and then do some real big brain math because it's, it, it, it's, it's pretty... Uh, uh, yeah, it's pretty opaque about how spell names work. Or just you have game facts open the whole time because it's the only way you can remember <laughs> anything about that game. Um, it was I mean, multi- like, it... multiple tabs on the wiki for me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Um, like, it's a good game. I think it, I think it's a fun game. I enjoyed it. I played it, I don't know, like right before I joined the site, I'd never played it before um, on some, you know, collection or something. Um, and I enjoyed it, and I think the music's fun, and it's a good game, but there are others in the list that I think are probably more deserving. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, again, in it, like kind of similar way to like Peter putting Skyrim on his list, not like just like Fantasy Star Four. In fact, I really, 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 really like it. Um, Sega does not get enough rep among a lot of RPG discussions, and often Fantasy Star Four is left to the side. But actually, I think it's pretty important alongside like other contemporaries around 93 to 95 um yeah the combat is fine every like it, it just feels like a really nice like everything fits together really well like it doesn't do any one thing spectacularly but everything it does do is kind of just just right for me at the, and especially at the time that i think like it is very important and those cutscenes, those anime panels that come up um are really cool i love the music i genuinely really like the characters which i until i played dragon quest 4 i don't really think i'd ever loved and maybe final fantasy 4 i suppose as well there's not really a cast of characters i've liked from an rpg earlier than it other than those two examples um so yeah i think i wish sega was included in the conversation more which is why i kind of threw it in there i do think it's a very important game but I absolutely understand that it also came out before final fantasy 6 and chrono trigger and other super nintendo rpgs and I kind of understand why it's forgotten about a little bit. It's a little sad, but yeah, I, I'm not going to like fight again. It is a really good cast. I mean, uh, Rika and Raja are, uh, are the yeah. best, are um, two of my favorites, um, for, or they are my two favorites from, uh, when I played it, uh, last year. But uh, again, the, this was strictly, uh, an elimination question. I didn't want to cut Disco Elysium, and it was pr- it's probably my the, my least special feeling game among among all the ones left. That, 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 that was my only reason reason because Fantasy Star Four is genuinely good. Like I, mm-hmm. I I I wouldn't have been upset if it made the twenty. Yeah, it's nope. an enjoyable game. Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I played it on the Genesis Mini or Sega Genesis Classic uh, last year. I think I bought that machine for around thirty five or forty bucks, and um. Fantasy Star 4 and that fabulous Yuzo Koshiro menu music justified the purchase. <laughs> but Zach, we have one more cut to make oh, no. in in this round before we do another round of locks and then do a much less organized system of cutting. Uh, uh. So, you, but uh, it's up to you. So uh, you have, at least if my math is right, nine, eighteen. You have seventeen games here to deal with, and. Uh, not make it 16 i'm gonna choose a game that i don't really like but that i think is uh, i i have to do it i'm sorry breath of the wild cut boo now there is one last chance for a veto alana do you want to save breath of the wild or is this going to be the last cut of the round i hate to not use my veto but 
No, I'm not going to Theo. Goodbye, uh, Breath of the Wild. I'm so disappointed in y'all. Breath of the Wild was hanging by a thread, and Alana's like, let it fall. Yeah. I am. Um, Alana, long live the king. <laughs> <laughs> I. You know, sort of similar, it's sort of similar to Yakuza Zero. I put about 10 hours into Breath of the Wild, and I feel like I got a pretty good feel for what the game was. And uh, I didn't think it was that fun, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, like, like the open vistas stuff, like, I'm like, I, I don't know, I can go play Xenoblade, and I can go see some open vistas there. And I know it's not as open, and you don't have quite as much freedom, but, like, I, I just actually don't care that much about those things. Um, I thought that the weapon-breaking system was incredibly annoying, Um I thought that the story was okay, um, but like the directionlessness of it, the dungeons or, or lack thereof, um, I thought were kind of silly. Um, I just, I, I, I hate to say this is a, I, I probably should get like my credentials revoked as a member of RPG fan, but I actually just don't like Breath of the Wild very much. I don't think it's a very fun game. Um, I don't like, I don't love 3D Zelda in general. Like I only one I've played to completion is Ocarina of Time. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't love it. Um, and so that's my cut. That's, that's fine. I get it. I know. But, um, and, and you're, and you're not wrong about a few things. Like, um, I do think the weapon durability system is really obnoxious. Um, I understand why it's there, but I hope it does not come back in the sequel. And I feel like they could have done a better job of balancing it. So at least some of your better weapons are maybe a little more durable than a, a wet tissue paper. But, um, uh, for my money, and I also should point out that I also love 3D Zelda, and in fact, I prefer 3D Zelda to 2D Zelda in most cases. Um, I just really like this. I just like that style of game. Um, but Breath of the Wild, though, is special because I think that in what it gives up and the Zelda formula, you know, you no longer have to visit dungeons in a set order. You don't have to use specific items to clear said dungeons. Um, and uh, and the dungeons are a little samey and uniform. Again, totally legit criticism. I think what it's able to do with the tools it gives you from the outset and how those play into not just, in, not just um, dungeon and shrine puzzles, but also just environmental puzzles, figuring out how to traverse the world, coming up with all these crazy... Um, strat- the, the fact that people are still able to use the game's physics to do these absolutely crazy stunts um, like stopping time, hitting a rock a bunch of times, climbing on the rock, and yeah. using that to like propel them halfway across the map. Yeah, the, the I, combination of the stasis spell and bombs and the glider, which are three of maybe the seven fundamental skills you use in the game just ha- create so many shenanigans that it, you uh-huh. could be on, you could go on YouTube for days just uh, seeing what the community's uh, developed with that. And, and in that aspect alone, I think it's one of the most interesting open world games out there because not just because of you have freedom to explore, but you have freedom in how you explore. You are you are presented with a, with with you are given a dot on the map to go to and how you get there is entirely up to you and there are tons of things you'll find along the way. Tons of stories you might encounter. Stories you'll make for yourself. Um, And I also think that Breath of the Wild, uh, not to wax poetic too much more, but that pervasive sense of melancholy in this ruined version of Hyrule 
Um, the fact that Nintendo, and obviously, you know, the Zelda timeline is absolute nonsense, but the fact that all roads lead to this calamity, this is the end point of all of the timelines. And as a result, you have this mishmash of like the ruins of Lon Lon Ranch from uh, Ocarina of Time and things like that. The, uh, the just the really soft piano that trickles in. The world is beautiful, but it's also um, it's also dying in a way. And I just I just I don't know. I really I I really connected strongly with that. Peter, uh, you and I had a Zelda argument five years ago, yeah. where um, and this is 2016 before Breath of the Wild uh, was in the wild. Um, you prefer 3D Zelda. I prefer 2D Zelda. You were uh, caping hard for. Uh, uh, for Twilight Princess, and I was caping. Uh, yeah. I was caping hard for uh, a Link Between Worlds, which didn't work out for uh, either of us really, because neither game made the fi- the top ten. And I think now we're, our, our tastes are r- roughly still the same. I mean, my favorite Zelda is still Link Between Worlds, and you're and you still prefer 3D Zelda. But now we're more united in our feelings because I think uh, Breath of the Wild is uh, is a triumph. It. Uh, it is the best premise, or I should say, the best promise of totally non-linear, you're dropped in a world, figure it out, that Z- Zelda's ever done since Zelda 1 on the NES. And the way it was able to capture that and also um, create some incredible story moments, some incredible uh, sort of naturally occurring gameplay moments, uh, the, the, uh, like the, the communities developed incredible... Uh, uh, tricks around gameplay like you mentioned. Uh, the sense of discovery for finding shrines is so powerful in Breath of the Wild that me finding a new shrine made me about as excited as I've ever been when with that RPG feeling of finding a new treasure chest or lo- learning a new skill. Like that, That's about as good as it gets in Breath of the Wild. So I, I love Breath of the Wild. I said this before, it's a, I mentioned this before, I think it's a top three Zelda for me. So I, I would have liked to talk about it later in this episode or next episode, but um, Alana let it fall. <laughs> I actually feel really guilty because it's probably my favorite Zelda game, and I don't like 3D Zelda, which is probably what surprised me most about why I loved it. Like, nearly 100 hours of being it, I've done all the shrines and everything, and like... Oh, wow. Yeah, like, I... I don't know. Like... I feel really strongly about it, but I don't think I feel really strongly about it for this conversation. And I feel like it's a case of like, what Zelda games are there? My second favorite Zelda game is A Link to the Past. And that's still there. And I think that might be the first Zelda game I would recommend somebody personally. And I think it's, again, it's me splitting hairs. It's bad because maybe I should use it, but... I don't know. There's something in me that tells me not to, which is the weakest, weakest no. argument I can give. It's the but... best argument you can give. Because the, the, uh, I agree. <laughs> the, the, um, the only rule is follow your heart. And that is what you're doing, and I will not stop you. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's, it's the only open world game that's not Xenoblade that I have ever right. loved, ever. I mean... I... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. I've stopped. Um, I mean, I think when we're talking about like open world games that Monolith has worked on, I'd rather play Xenoblade Cross a hundred times out of a hundred over Breath of the Wild. I mean, it, it does a lot of the things that you guys are talking about, but it also like blends it with like combat that's 
I don't know, actually interesting. Um, and um, like in a way that like in a storytelling way that works for me. And I'm sorry, that was, I didn't mean to sound dismissive. Um, are the like, mechs breakable in Xenoblade Chronicles Cross? The scales are not breakable no. that I remember. Hmm. Um, and I just think it. that the feeling of exploration in that game is more fun. Um, and I and the combat is deep. It's not quite like Xenoblade Two complicated, but it's deeper than Xenoblade One. I mean, like I hate to comp- I hate to talk about a game by comparing it to another game, but the fact that Monolith worked on both sort of I feel like uh, works into it. And I feel like in terms of like pure open world experiences, those are the two games that I can think of, and I would strongly prefer one to the other. All right. Well, I think that's all she wrote on our series of cuts for this episode. So we have. A, a few more minutes to be positive. Five locks. They cannot be vetoed. And these five, next five games will be um, definitely on the discussion table for the next episode. And again, Snake Draft format, we're going to go in the reverse order of our cuts. So, Zach, you are on deck again. What is going to be the next lock into the final 20? So I'm afraid I've made some people angry. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to lock Suikoden 2. Suikoden 2 is awesome. Uh, we did two episodes on it in 2018. I, I have zero qualms of it making the top 10 or top 20. I, I nothing else to say here. Yep. An agreement. Total agreement. I'm also right. in agreement. <laughs> so that's Are you three, sure? That's three Are you sure? people. You can, <laughs> Are you sure? You can still take that back, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Sweden Two is uh, I, the the best game in the Sweden series, which is my favorite series overall. Um, I I think that the character dynamics there are fantastic. Um, it manages to overcome a wonky, bad translation and still make us connect and care about people. Um, lots of people um, combat snappy. I, love, I mean, like I. I feel like on this podcast alone, let alone an RPG fan at large, I have waxed po- not not very poetically about how much I love Ethan 2. Um, and I want to make sure it makes it through to the next conversation. Totally fair. Uh, Alana, I know you like Suikoden 2. How about it? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add at this point. I will. It's one of my five favorite games ever, and I played it on my podcast as well. So, um, yeah, I think it just... It's remarkably good. And... Yeah, let's let's save it for later. I think. Good idea. Let, we we will talk about so we get into for certain in the next episode. So for now, I will make a lock, and uh, there's a lot of good games here. You know what I think we should also save for the next episode is which lunar game makes the top. Lunar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is my favorite lock. I almost I almost locked this. Actually. So lunar <laughs> lunar two eternal blue is my lock here. Uh, I, I I like lunar one and two a lot. I don't like other lunar games. So for as far as I'm concerned, that is a two game series. <laughs> yeah. But I love lunar two uh, in part because of. Uh, of it, it's that spirit of not early '90s anime RPG that is that is, uh, you know, a little bit of Fantasy Star, a little bit of Tales of Fantasia, but just maybe the best version of one of those. But also, the cast is so good, and I I prefer it uh, the cast of Lunar Two to Lunar the Silver Star because even though it's less romantic and less kissing, and I love kissing in JRPGs, but like like um like a Jean's transformation from dancer to martial artist. Uh, Ron Farr being the best drunk healer doofus of all time uh, with a surprisingly dark backstory. Everything about Leo. Uh, uh, and it also what about, has... What about Mysterio? About who? Sorry? <laughs> is, isn't his 
alternate name Mysterio? Is that am I, mis- am I mistaken Mis- on that one? What are you talking about? Leo and Mysterio are two different characters. Ah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You, I forgot. you silly Billy. But the um, <laughs> uh, and also it has my favorite epilogue of any RPG of all time because the uh, the ending of the main game you you fight a big bad dude named Zohar and things are a little sad and then the epilogue is you get to revisit the world with a completed team and and un- and uh, more freedom than at any other point in the game. Uh, you you get new equipment and new skills and new stuff from revisiting almost every point, and you can not really undo, but like make the bad ending into a glad ending uh, by completing all the objectives in the in the epilogue. I'm avoiding some spoilers here in a way that that made me cry happy tears when I first played Lunar Two uh, many years ago. So I, I like for being an awesome version of that kind of game, and for having my favorite epilogue in any RPG ever, I'm I'm locking it in. That's all. I mean, it's it's a lovely game, and I think if there's one thing that I think it does much better, um, it's the um, like the way it inverts the narrative um, from the first one. I think is really fascinating, and I also love Hero and Lucia's love story. I think it's I think it's I, <laughs> the most moving of all of them. I, I I like Hero and Lucia a lot, but I I almost think that like those the four other characters in the main six are just so great that I almost I almost think Hero is a little too boring. Leo alone makes this game belong in the top ten. Yeah, like uh, R- Ron Farr, Leo, and Gene are awesome, but the but the entire cast of Lunar Two and it's uh, is great, and it's a very well written, fun game. But it, but it's that epilogue that ma- that moves it from excellent to one of my all time favorites. So, but we're gonna have, I think Zach, we're gonna have a Lunar One versus Lunar Two <laughs> uh, battle royale next episode. <laughs> I'm down for it. Except for I'm happy no matter how it goes. So. Right, uh, but let's uh, make some other people happy this time. Uh, Peter, I, I don't think you've played quite as much Lunar as Zachary, but you, you definitely are allowed to make a lock now. What is it going to be? I have played zero Lunar in my life. I don't think anyone's going to be upset with me locking Final Fantasy XIV. Um. <laughs> so angry. I'm, I, I'm oh, furious. Oh, <laughs> oh you. Um, but yeah, we, uh, 14 is amazing. It's uh, a game I never thought I was going to get into, but I am now high-key obsessed with, like, roughly 800 hours later. And, um, yeah, it's definitely, if I had to pick an essential game to define Final Fantasy, the series, and at modern MMORPGs, yeah, 14 is just magnificent. I mean, all five of us are FF14 players of in various stages uh, of their FF14 career. So uh, it was on four of our lists of our submitting ten lists, which is you know one big reason why it was it went from you know fifty submissions to thirty five games. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll, you know I'll say it: the one person that didn't vote for FF14 was me because I was pretty sure other people were going to vote for it. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, it's total recency bias for me, I'm afraid. Um, it's literally all I'm playing at the moment, other than review stuff. And yeah, I, I want to save some discussion for it for next time. Um, but like, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to recommend an MMO to anybody, it will be this. 110% nothing else, you know? Like, there is nothing... Like, I think the thing that like sets it apart from other MMOs is just how incredibly well written it is and how consistent it is. And like just how 
I don't know, like there's such a really special, like we've talked about community quite a lot actually on this podcast for a couple of games in a negative way. And I really want to stress that like there, there are always good aspects to like communities. The Final Fantasy XIV community it, it's the is best community. phenomenal <laughs> in so many different ways. Like I was so terrified to come back to that game. And like, I've had nothing but good experiences from people I don't know, from people I play with, from random people. And it's like, it's joyous and like yeah if this is not in the top 10 i will be one surprised and two i might resign maybe i don't know <laughs> i okay i i, 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 don't... I might have spent more time on this game than anyone else in the podcast and oh, yeah. uh yeah i, I mean know, I, you, I also think you, you and uh-huh. i didn't know each other in 2016 buddy <laughs> but... <laughs> at least nowadays i think i probably do um and you know, I, I think that um along with everything else you guys have said, like the accessibility of it, I think is really important too. And like the way that it, it sort of scales um, mm-hmm. to like the, the kinds of experiences that you want. Like I'll admit that like, I don't know when I run like the same dungeon 50 times and it's very easy for me, that annoys me a little bit, but like, I also appreciate that like, like they, they allow people to move through it, but they also give you these other experiences. Like I know I'm never going to beat Alex ultimate, um, but like living somewhere between like extreme and ultimate is like fun for me, but like for other people they just want to play the story and that's great. And I, I was an MMO hater mostly because I had friends who dropped out of college because of wow. And I say friends, like, I mean like five. Um, (laughs) So I was afraid of MMOs, but like, I, I think this game is just delightful and great and, I was on vacation recently. The first thing I did when I walked in the door was I booted up Final Fantasy fourteen and ran a dungeon, and I just I felt at home as soon as I did it. It's, it's I, turning into like part of my morning routine, which is kind of scary, but also like awesome. <laughs> I, I I shared Zach's uh, um, trepidation uh, with MMOs because uh, again, M- uh, War- World of Warcraft came out in two thousand four, where right when I was starting college, and I know mm-hmm. at, 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 I remember at least one time where someone missed a wedding because of a scheduled raid and so it's like i don't want i don't want to be that person so i'm never going to play an mmo but when i finally got into ff14 it became one of my favorite games it's it's that it's that powerful i'm just like oh i understand now it's like (laughs) oh now i get it to that extent maybe i'll try to bring a laptop to the hotel so i don't miss my roulettes on my cousin's wedding but i get it yeah so dear listeners if it's not enough of an endorsement from all five of us make sure you play Final Fantasy fourteen, the award-winning MMORPG that is free up to level 60 and includes the expansion pack Heavensward. It has, won RP- no less. it has won RPG fans Game of the Year twice over the past uh, eight years or so. Yep, we, we had a dedicated Final Fantasy fourteen award for continued excellence at being Final Fantasy fourteen at several E3s. Because it always featured prominently in our coverage. All right, so we've done enough dodging AOEs. Uh, Eva, it is your turn to lock one final game of this of this round. Or I'm sorry, your final game of this round. Then Alana after you. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Disco Elysium. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, yeah. So, so Disco Elysium. Um, I just recently reviewed it as well, and this is the this is the most recent game on our list, um, and um, this is some of my favorite writing, not just in a video game, but just in general that I've come across. Um, it's it's beautiful. I, I love the way that this game is written. It's occasionally verbose. There are too, altogether too many words in this, but. <laughs> 
when this game is firing on all cylinders, there really isn't anything better in terms of the writing. And and this is not this game is not an aesthetic or mechanical slouch either. The um, the the painterly world that they have um, in this fictional setting of Revishol is beautiful. It's so wondrously detailed. It is a brilliant um, yet contained open world. Um, the the music is a little sparse, but fits it perfectly. Um, and the character writing is just is just magnificent at times. The some of these characters are some of my favorites that I've come across in games, like your Lieutenant Kim Kitsuragi, um, who if and if anyone's played it, they're like, I I would die for this man. He <laughs> he is he is. He's amazing. He is an amazing character. Um, and it is, uh, and for all of the things that it's trying to do, for how uh, narratively, mechanically, even uh, ambitious in its UI it is, this game is hilarious. <laughs> like, there, there are moments that I've never laughed harder at a game than at this one. Like, when I talked on Random about this, there was a... Um, there was this man who I could not get past through, uh, through conventional means. So I either had to uh, subscribe to his, um, to his theory of racism, which you know, didn't want to do. So instead, um, I did a roundhouse kick while uh, yelling "Disco Inferno" and knocking him out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hilarious. So, like, if that's not a a ring endorsement for the type of choices that you can be presented in this game and just how funny it can be. It is a perfect mass media product that will probably also make you more of a commie if you aren't one already. Yeah, I mean, it's a game that I've wanted to play for years, and I will say all of your writing is always amazing, Eva, but like your review of this game was just fabulous and we want to play it like 10 times more, which is impressive. So, yeah. I I wish I had, could say anything about it except for I desperately want to play it. I, I am very interested in Disco Elysium, and I own a copy of it that I got on a Steam sale some time ago. So, Eva, I don't have a real opinion from experience on Disco Elysium now, but I pledge to you that I will play it for a few hours before our next recording so I can either help you or uh, uh, disrupt your case for it in the next episode, <laughs> I... depending on my feelings. But, but I do want to play it, so I will start it before we do the next episode. I haven't, I haven't played it myself, but if the opening monologue doesn't hook you, then I don't know what will. Uh, yeah, there, just as just a final note, the, the narration of all these voices and such that you have in your head is done by one person. His name is Lenville Brown, um, and I would just like to heap all the praise in the world on, on uh, this person and um, basically all of the voice casting in it. So Sweet. So... That's nine locks down, one to go, and Alana, it's your call. What is the last game that is going to be guaranteed in to be discussed next episode? Well, I think there's a few obvious ones that I'm going to let us battle over, which I think are obviously going to make it. But given some earlier discussions, I think I've got to let Dragon Quest Eleven on the top ten, or at least the lock-in. Um, yeah, we've already spoken about it on the episode, so I'm not going to go into it too much more. But I think like it's probably going to have to fight a little bit more than some of the other games on this list. Um, and it absolutely should be there. 
And that's all I want to say about it, really. Alana, I don't know if this is a uh, thank you for me locking Skies of Arcadia earlier, but thank you. Yes. <laughs> not not specific, <laughs> not specifically, um, but I'll take it. Dragon Quest XI is wonderful and one of my favorite games, and I'm glad that I didn't have to argue it for round five. Thank you, Alana. No problem. We are, but we, are, we already did talk about Dragon Quest XI quite a bit when it was uh, when it um, was cut and vetoed. So we will leave these ten alone for now. Th those ten are automatically locked to the next round. Lunar the Silver Star, Skies of Arcadia, The World Ends With You, Bloodborne, Stardew Valley, Suikoden Deuce, Lunar Tour to Eternal Blue, Final Fantasy XIV, Disco Elysium, Dragon Quest XI. So that means we have 15 games left for the last ten slots. So we can view this as doing ten more locks or five more cuts, however you want the math to work out. But those 15 are, some of which we have discussed and some of which we haven't yet, Danganronpa, Earthbound, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy IX, Mother 3, Nier Automata, Okami, Persona 5 Royal, po Pokemon Black and White, Tales of the Abyss, Transistor, Trails in the Sky, First Chapter, Undertale, Vagrant Story, Zelda, A Link to the Past. And, uh, alright, I'm going to make an executive decision here. There is one game on that list of 15 that was on four people's list, <laughs> and I think... I, I think is the easiest auto lock that we could make bef without without really fighting over it, and that's near automata. Am, is, yeah. are, is there anyone is there anyone opposed to me putting it on the locks on the twenty locks right now? No nope. way. None it's of us locked it. None of us vetoed it. Yep, because we're all like, yep, it's brilliant. Yep, <laughs> and it's on the list. So now we have five cuts to make or nine locks to make. Um, is there anyone that wants to? make a proposal for a lock or a cut uh i would like to propose mother three i would like to propose a double we lock mother three and cut earthbound mm. <sighs> this is the one i'm struggling with the most because they're both so important in different ways i prefer yeah. mother three but yeah i prefer earthbound but if it was my sole decision i would say lock both of them and have that discussion next episode so what else would you mm. cut from that list? Uh, uh, maybe, well, <laughs> maybe one of the ones I cut, I tried to cut last, last round. Um, Danganronpa, Undertale, I, uh, I, I, I really, I really Okami, think, I, I really think, staying in, staying in the mother, in the motherland for a minute. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Earthbound and Mother 3 are both really important. We've we've covered both of them on the podcast, and I I I really like both. But is there anyone besides me that is willing to fight for Earthbound? I I, I struggled with this choice uh, when I was because I knew I was going to pick one of them. Um, but to me, like Earthbound is a little more subversive in in like a sort of video game kind of way. But Mother Three is more is subversive in like more important ways to me, and I think the story is significantly more emotional. Um, I, I prefer the combat. Um, like I love Earthbound. It's a love. It's a lovely game. Um, if I was going to personally make a list of twenty, they would both be on it, um, and I would maybe get rid of I don't know some things we put on it last time. But um, I, I, I would go hard for Mother Three. I would go significantly less hard for Earthbound personally. Yeah, me too. Mother Three was on three. No, two people's. Excuse me, two people's lists. But there is significant support for it even for the people that didn't have it on their list. Uh, Peter, what's your thoughts on Earthbound versus Mother 3? Uh, uh, lock one or lock one or lock both? Because I, 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 don't, I don't think both are getting cut, if you don't mind my saying. I, 
I would lock Mother 3 if I had to choose. I, and being completely honest, this is not an informed decision. I have played 30 minutes of Earthbound and zero minutes of Mother 3. Oh, whoa. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know that about you, Peter. We were going to have to have a discuss, discussion I, after the podcast. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, on the, it's on the list. I've tried to play Earthbound a couple times, and I just never got around to it. Like, it got past that opening section. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I will play Mother 3 if it ever gets officially localized. Um, the thing is, but, I, if, if Mother 3 ever gets officially localized, I will probably buy it and not play it, because I don't know if I want to go through that ending ending sequence again. <laughs> right, right. Kidding, right. I'll probably wind up playing it on my own time um, yeah. through other means. through the Because, you know, I, I, I know how it goes, the meme. But, um, but more than anything, um, in the immortal words of Clancy Brown, there can be only one. So, of the two, I feel like Walking Mother 3 would make more sense. Okay, um, again, I want this episode to be less than three and a half hours, so I'm going to make another executive decision. We are going to lock Mother 3, and we're going to leave Earthbound on the list for now, but it, 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 is, it is in danger of being cut. Is, is, is anyone uh, opposed to that? Nope. That's fine. All right. But, uh, Earthbound, you're on notice, and I'm saying that as the one person that, the, that got you on this list. <laughs> the ne- okay, um, uh, someone else. Do we have a proposal for a cut or a lock in this list of now thirteen? I guess I have three proposals for a cut. <laughs> none, of, none of them are on my list. No offense to anybody. I'm just thinking about ones. Vagrant uh, uh, story. I don't know. I, mean, I haven't played it, um, but I know it's interesting. <laughs> um, FC uh, to me, like all Kaseki games that I've played. I don't know, maybe ten hours of FC. It's fine, but like all Kaseki games are like to me like good rpgs are they great like transcendent ones maybe sc is maybe third chapter is i don't think anybody would really argue that fc is except as sort of an entry point um into the series where you get to what most people would argue are better games and to me that kind of puts it on the block a little bit it's really Um, the collective world building experience i think that those games do so well yeah i was gonna say maybe okami I, i i mean i like okami i just think it's um I think there are some things about it that are amazing, but overall, I think that there are better experiences that are similar. And those will be my three proposals, but I don't know. I will. I, will, I won't fight about um, FC because I. I mean, I agree. Like I, the reason I the reason I kept it on here is because again, I think it is the ideal entry point, and it's the only one of the games that we discussed that was standalone. Um, but I won't. Again, I won't fight you on that. I also love Okami, but that game is too dang long. Yeah, Okami is like mm-hmm. a forty-five hour game that I think they should have tried to design it into being a tighter thirty hours. But I, I think it's really, really strong. Um, I, I I have made the joke that it's my favorite three D Zelda for several years actually, and until Breath of the Wild <laughs> happened. But uh, but Okami is sort of uniquely beautiful and has some really cool gameplay ideas. Uh, yeah. That that that, that uh, Ukiyo and Sumie uh, art style is is really gorgeous. I, I don't know enough about the differences between those styles to make an informed call on which Okami is. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I'm uh, I'm culturally ignorant. But I I, I really like Okami. Uh, I, I'm not going to lock it or cut it yet. I I, I think. Um, but of those three that Zach proposed, I think the one I care about the least is Trails. Uh. And I feel I would feel a little bit a little bad not having a Falcom game in our twenty, but uh, I, I like like Okami and Vagrant Story do some very unique and powerful things. Like Vagrant Stories, it, like its textures haven't aged great, but things like its cinematography and art direction yeah. feel a decade ahead of its time. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's absolutely nothing else like Vagrant Story, and like right. it's just like I played it a long, long time ago, and like it still strikes me how good that game looks in inverted commas because of the way it does, as you said, like cinematography. Like it, there's nothing else like it, and it's, it is extremely hard to get into at times. Like Play, playing it can be playing it can be a struggle, but yeah, the, but. Uh, the, the, the things like um, just how powerful the drama is, and uh, the other th- the several things it does excellently well is really something. I, I I played it for the podcast a while ago with you, Eva, and and, and Eva, you're the one that got it on the list here. And I um I don't know I I mean there's definitely ten games I care more about Vagrant Story on the on our combined list of uh, twenty seven or however many are left maybe twenty five now, uh, but. I, I, I think I, I think I want to have a vagrant dis, a vagrant story discussion next episode. I, I, w- I would put it on our twenty. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, this this game I will like. I I'm not sure if I'll even fight for it for being in the essential ten because this game is inaccessible. Um, in terms of like, I mean, you can download PSN. Like, getting it is not terrible, but in terms of uh, getting to grips with its mechanics um, is is pretty ridiculous. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it is a difficult game. Um, and it has some things that I absolutely loathe about it, like its backtracking in some cases, and its block puzzles are some of the worst ever designed in a game. Um, were they to take it out, I would push through this game um, on basically every level. But that is a terrible part of it. I would love to see it be locked. Um, I'm not going to uh, fight terribly if it isn't, though. Despite my massive amount of love and appreciation for it. Okay, so going back to the other two Zach suggested, um, who among us would prefer to cut Okami? Yes, no on cutting Okami. I think my right now my vote is a no. Uh, what What else do we have? I don't want to cut Okami. I think Okami's worth discussing more. I don't really like it that much, but I'm coming from someone who doesn't really like 3D Zelda games. Um, I don't. I don't. I would probably put it on yes potentially for cutting. Okay, um, so it's what? too long, and I love what it does. I love so much of what it does, but I hit 20 hours and was done. I really just lost. I don't know why. It was probably a wrong time in my life, like many games in the mid-2000s were, but like, yeah, I I just don't know if I can make a case for it other than like what it does aesthetically, personally. Yeah, I, I, I'm of two minds about it, because I, I really, three, I prefer 2D Zelda to 3D Zelda, but I like a lot of 3D action games, and I liked Okami, but I guess my I lasted a little longer than you. I was really starting to flag around the 30-hour mark. Um, yeah, it's uh, around where I flagged on it, too. And, and I, I did power through to the end. But I, I, I do feel like that game is a little too long. Um, but that, that's my biggest complaint about it. Uh, so we have, we have two yeses, I'm sorry, two noes to cutting and one yes to cutting. Uh, Zach and Eva, what are your feelings? I mean, I would say yes just because of the strength of everything else on the list. It's not that I don't think it's a good game. It's just that we're starting to get into the <laughs> lots yeah, of games that I like a lot. Get into the weeds <laughs> here. And, and Eva... Yeah. Oh, I, I won't drag this out too much. Yeah, we can cut it. I put it on my list, but I, I think it's an amazing game. Um, I, as opposed to, it seems like everyone has this issue with it, and like I'm not, and like I'm not saying I'm special. I didn't think it was too long. Um, I had 
I had a great time with it. The ending is a little bit too JRPG, but it wasn't because of its length necessarily. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to cut. I think it's um, possibly the on a purely aesthetic level the greatest visual accomplishment mm-hmm. in um, in video games. This is a game that will never look that will never age. Honestly, um, it is 15 years old now, and even brought onto you know 4K on the PS4 Pro or PS5 or Xbox. Well, I don't know if it's on Xbox Series, um, but it still looks magnificent, and it never will stop being that. So Capcom has ported it over and over, and it, um, <laughs> I I, end, I ended up playing it on PS3 many years ago, and it. Uh, like there was a, a, a zero, I don't know what the right term is. Like zero fidelity loss. This game looked great on the PS2, looks great on the PS3. I'm sure it looks great on PS4 and Switch and what have you. It is it is a incredible uh, visual accomplishment of a game. That that's for wherever, sure. Wherever it goes, basically, it's the best looking game on that system, in my opinion. But yeah. yeah. I will actually offer one of my items on the list as a sacrifice just for the sake of brevity. Oh. Um, I like Pokemon Black and White a lot. Um, and I think that a Pokemon game would be a good thing to have on this list. But I'm willing to put it up there for discussion to be cut so we can move along. I, yeah. I, I'm i kind of okay with the idea of a Pokemon game in the top 20. So I, which is, which is why, which, which is why oh, I, didn't tar- I, I didn't target it for a, for a cut in the first four rounds. Even as a person who's never played a Pokemon game, I think a Pokemon game probably belongs in the conversation. I don't know what, I don't really have too much to say, but like I often find Pokemon a difficult sell as an RPG sometimes to people. Like, and I know this isn't solely RPG focused, but like, and Black and White is like one of my two favorite games in the series, but like, yeah. Yeah, it's like. It's always a really difficult sell, and I, I do think it probably does deserve the, it to be in the conversation in some way. Um, it's a tough one. I will I will vote to cut um, Sky FC if we're still moving on on that discussion. I, I think I want to cut Sky FC. Yeah, let's go okay. for it. Uh, I think. Zach or Eva, are there any objections to cutting Trails in the Sky FC? It was my Good suggestion. Sure. So nope. <laughs> Later. With apologies to Kiseki fans everywhere. Um, yeah, but at least we're not making Nikki cry. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Nick, Nikki's uh, um, favorite fictional characters in uh, Pokemon Black and White. <laughs> yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. If you guys think we should keep it, I, I'm not opposed to it. I love Pokemon. It, I um, Pokemon. There's a few other games I'd cut over it, certainly. Me, me too, I think. Uh, I, I would probably cut Persona 5 Royal over it, actually considering we've got Persona 4 Golden in there and if maybe Persona 4 Golden wasn't there, although I guess this is Persona 5 as a whole. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't feel particularly strongly about Persona 5 anymore and I do, I know that the argument will be is that like it is probably the best turn-based RPG at the moment, like even over Dragon Quest Eleven, and stylistically I w- it's I amazing. W- I mean, I wouldn't say it's better than Dragon Quest Eleven personally, but <laughs> okay. but, 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 but st- stylistically it is one of the best-looking JRPGs that's ever happened, and uh, I, it, it, its gameplay is so snappy and crisp yeah. that I it's one of the best-looking and best-playing uh, JRPGs ever. Uh, uh, 
full stop. But I, I, ju- I just think its story falls flat in yeah. several places, which is why it's not my favorite Persona game. Curious if it was on your list. I know you've played P5 Royal. Because if it was just Persona 5, I would vote to cut. But I don't know. Like with Royal, what distinguishes it? So with Persona 5 Royal, everything that um, basically is in the game from... Um, that's only in Royal is really narratively interesting um, and the increased um, the increase in the mechanical complexity from some things it makes it a little bit easier but if you're looking for a maximalist single player RPG this is really where you go to it is ridiculously stylish it's um, extremely snappy in its um, in its combat um, the characters are really lovable in a lot of cases. Um, if Persona 4 Golden um, wasn't on the original list, I probably would have locked this game. Um, but I do understand that P4 Golden is on here. And though they are of two different pieces, I think it's fine if we don't have another Persona game in our lo- in our um, you know, top 20, top 10. So. I, I yeah. really like Persona 5, but I'm not sure it's one of my 10 favorites in the remaining list. Yeah, it's hard, because I think, I think I prefer Persona 5 to 4, and that's where I'm having problems. I do yeah. too, but I, I just think that there are so many like the story, there are so many storytelling beats and like the way that it oversimplifies, to me, like very complicated issues in a lot of cases. Um, Persona 5, at least, in my opinion, does, um, is my biggest concern about it. But man, it, the style... <laughs> It, yeah. It's it's such a fun game to play. I, I, I prefer Persona Four to Five overall, but um, but Five's uh, um, gameplay refinements and its style are what I think is the, are the two most striking parts about it. Okay, so for the, for the sake of brevity, because we as as uh, as Peter had said for brevity, um, like can we just can we just move Okami to cuts. Like, can we can we move Okami to cuts? Can we um, move? Like I, I, I'm cool with taking some of these games from my list. Okami and Vagrant Story, like it is, it is fine. That game is just not very accessible from a gameplay perspective, so like it is fine. <laughs> well, all right, we have we have four more cuts to make after Trails in the Sky FC. I think I'm the only one that's really fighting hard for Earthbound. And uh, looking at the rest of this list, I mean, I, I think I would want um, Final Fantasy Tactics. And uh, what else here? Uh, maybe even also Tales of the Abyss on the list. Really? Because of... I'm thinking of sacrificing that because I, I just don't think you can talk about it in the same breath as the rest of these games. And it's it's really good though, and I, and I I, I, I kind of want to see a Tales game in the in the top twenty. It is, but, <laughs> but I don't it, know. It's, it's not. A, I think you're right. It's probably not as good as Earthbound. Yeah, I, I and it's bad because we haven't really talked about a Tales game we as part of it. But like, there's a lot of in the same way that Trails has got some real like RPG tropes that are really like I don't know uncomfortable. Sometimes Tales does that as well, and I think like Abyss maybe also has the gameplay aspect going against it. Like it's not aged terribly well. It's aged better than most other Tales games, I would say. But like I, I think it's aged okay. I mean, I mean having the free run makes it a, like a leap a leap better than Tales of Symphonia personally oh, yeah. for me. Um, and and I think that the story is. 
a bit of a hard sell at first because of how annoying Luke is, but then but then comes into its own really strongly. I, I really like Tales of the Abyss, but but the problem is just the competition it's going against. Yeah, it was a wild card on my list because I like Tales a lot, but I I'm I'm actually surprised it didn't get voted off at any point. So I, I was sort of avoiding talking about it, hoping it would sneak through, which it did. <laughs> But it might be the end of the line. Um, Eva, Zach, or Peter, do any of you guys have um, strong Tales thoughts? Because if not, then it might be time to cut it. Never played a Tales game? It's cut. I, I've only played yeah. a couple, but I want to play Tales of the Abyss. That's, that's, that's what I can say about it. That's what I know. It's, it's a good one. It's in my personal top two, I think, for the series. It's my favorite, yeah. yeah. I feel bad because I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just like, yeah, I put you on there, whatever. But yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm don't okay think... It. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm okay with that. Yep, Alana, I, I think we should both take one for the team and, and let it die. Yep, I'm happy with that. All right. See you later, Tales of the Abyss. So, um, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna try to make a positivity pr- proposal here. I think we should move, and this is not one of the games that I picked. I think that A Link to the Past should make the top twenty. We should add it to I the locks. Yeah, that's, yep. that's cool with me. Because I, I, I want to, I think having a Zelda game on is good. This is one of the best Zelda games. We had a lot of Zelda discussion when we cut Link Between Worlds and Breath of the Wild. But having this one move on to the next round, I think is, I think is a, a good bet. Yep, I agree. Any objections? Nope. And All I'm right. going to make a proposal that Tactics moves along as well. I know we have mm-hmm. another Final Fantasy game on the list, but we don't have any tactical games on the first one. I think it is by far the best entry point game in terms of tactical RPGs. Um, at least that I've played. Um, it's got a fabulous story, fabulous music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it's I, it's an amazing game. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And the only reason I was even like slightly reticent to put it on my list is because I already had 14. But man, <laughs> despite the crossover, those two games are very, very different. Um, yes. So I, I would Ta- vote that it should be there. I, I would argue tactics should... We can move tactics onwards, but slightly controversial suggestion... I think nine might have to go. Yeah, mm. I I love FF nine, but fourteen and Tactics are both going ahead. And I'm sorry, though I would I would pick those over nine any day. I, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, Tactics fourteen nine I, nine personally finishes third for me as well. But I would rather remove both. We have both of them go to the locks. It's yeah. interesting because I know, like again, we've got like a Final Fantasy game on the list. This was probably what I would have used my veto on because I love it to death. I actually think it might be the best entry point in the series in terms of the traditional games, other than maybe one other game. But I'm interested to hear what people think. I think it's good as an entry point and and good for uh, for RPG veterans or Final Fantasy veterans. It's just an ex- it's one of the best PlayStation RPGs. Okay. Um, well, I'm not going to fight too hard about it. We got to get moving. So. Um, but do we have any objections to locking Final Fantasy Tactics at least for now? No way. No. It deserves no. to be there. It should have been on the last list. Yeah, I, I I fought for a little bit on the last list. It was on my list of ten uh, in 2016 and 2021. So I, I have no objections at all. Of course, uh, we're it's, we're getting there. Um, it looks like that we only have six spots left and eight uh, no nine games left. So we have to cut three here. Uh, I'll say them all out loud. Danganronpa, Earthbound, FF9, Okami, Persona 5, Pokemon Black White, Transistor, Undertale, Vagrant Story. Uh, Eva, Eva had already volunteered to cut Okami and Vagrant Story. So we could move ahead with that and just cut one more. 
But that, I think it's a little unfair to Eva. Maybe, I mean, because those are three of sort of the Eva games. Uh, I was the one who offered them up. It is fine. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, uh, um, Eva, Okami, Transistor, Vagrant Story. Uh, um, which which one do you want to save? Oh, Transistor. Yeah, Okami and Vagrant Story can go to hell for Transistor. <laughs> wow. I think uh, that very noble decision of yours, Eva, I shall respect it. <laughs> so Transistor is in, Vagrant Story and Okami are out. And, 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 I want Undertale, though. Um, I agree. I think we have one more, we have one more to cut, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't, I think... Uh, I would probably cut Undertale or Danganronpa, but um, uh, and we know that Alana and Zach want Undertale. Uh, Peter and Eva, what are your thoughts on putting Undertale in? I don't mind. Put it in. Undertale's a lock. <laughs> Over Danganronpa, a hundred percent. I'm afraid. I love Danganronpa. But... We only have one more cut to make. So Persona Five, FF10, Earthbound, Danganronpa, Pokemon Black and White. I think Earthbound's got to go, dude. <sighs> yeah. Really? <laughs> Over. Not, I love... Earthbound, uh, like over Danganronpa or Pokemon, or Pokemon Black. <laughs> Out of Danganronpa and Earthbound, personally, I would pick Danganronpa, but <sighs> I, I want to have the Mother Three versus Earthbound discussion next episode. But we, I, I, I think Earthbound is such a foundational Super Nintendo game. Um, and it's also ha- one of the hardest to get into, though. Like yeah. that first couple of hours are uh, the problem. Part a part of the problem wall. is, yeah, if I were to. Part of the problem is like the second town in the game is maybe the hardest part of the whole game, which is mm-hmm. which is a, which is a little brutal. I mean, here's the thing about Earthbound. I think given the the current consistency of this panel, like there's a zero percent chance it's going to make it to the top ten because Mother Three, Mother, Mother Three's Three there, yeah. is, and, and three of us at least are going to go to bat for Mother Three over the one who's going to go. And that's I'm not just I'm just being practical at this point. I, I mean, the, 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 I, the only super... is my top pick of these five but I think it's the least likely to move on to the final tap. Earthbound is probably my first or second pick. It's like tied with FF9, but we we also have no we have one Super Nintendo game in our in our current 20 and that's uh that's Zelda. But we do have two on our previous list. That's true. Yeah, the, yeah Super we've got Nintendo. No VNs today. Yeah, Super, and only one. That's true. Super Oh yeah, there's no visual novels in our 20. That's uh Disco Elysium is a bit is a bit of an edge case. Yeah. It has some. It has some. visual novel DNA in there. Although I, yeah. it, 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 at this, it, at this point, is. I think Earthbound's got to go. See, see, listeners, <laughs> we don't hate all Western RPGs. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. We just only like the communist ones. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, on any five of these games, I I'm not really going to like fully go to bat for like so. You know, I, I think, I mean, I do love Earthbound, but I did get a bunch of games I really care about into the 20 already, and I, I don't dislike any of, the, any of the other four games, not not even a little bit. Uh, so, I, I'm the only one that's really fighting for it, so Earthbound's well, gone. Well, is, not to drag this on any longer, but Persona 5 Row, is there anyone who is like, I really want that to be locked? Because if there's no, because so let's say if you're fighting for Earthbound, but no one's really I, fighting for P5R, then I, I think it, it, I, I think that this that its style and mechanics are extremely important. Yeah, uh, the, I, the, the one I sort of want to cut is either either Dungan Rampa or Pokemon Black, I guess. But the uh, but 
I have I got a lot of games on the list already. I feel really really good about uh, the top sixteen we already have. So I, I don't I don't mind especially since um since Eva you you uh you volunteered to sacrifice something I will volunteer to sacrifice Earthbound my 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 fight's over. All right, we got we got twenty we got twenty. Jesus Christ! It took us a, it took us a while because we 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 really oh wanted we really wanted to talk about every single game on the list, which yeah, made it for a long episodes. I apologize, listeners. I apologize, panelists. Um, this we're laugh. yeah good. we're unless we can rest. Uh, this episode is maybe going to be over two and a half hours. We'll oh. see how the how the edit shakes out. But uh, let's let's go over the list one last time. Uh, first of all. The back in 2016, we did uh, this original Essential Ten episode. So, th- so these ten games were not up for discussion. They're already enshrined. That's Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Chrono Trigger, Diablo Three, Final Fantasy VI, Kingdom Hearts, Mass Effect Two, Nine Nine Nine, Persona Four, Steambot Chronicles, and Xenoblade Chronicles. Double Chronicles at the end there. So those f- ten are locked in, and they are going to be joined by ten more. And those ten are going to be among these twenty. Lunar the Silver Star, Skies of Arcadia, The World Ends With You, Bloodborne, Stardew Valley, Suikoden 2, Lunar 2, Eternal Blue, Final Fantasy XIV, Disco Elysium, Dragon Quest XI, Nier Automata, Mother 3, Zelda A Link to the Past, Final Fantasy Tactics, Transistor, Undertale, Danganronpa, Trigger, Happy Havoc, Havoc, whoops, Final Fantasy IX, Persona 5 Royal, Pokemon Black and White. Those 20 will be reduced to a list of 10 at the, at the very end, excuse me, of the, at the very end of next week's episodes. So listeners... Please look forward to that discussion uh, next week. But uh, before we get there, let's talk about what's happening next month on the podcast. Uh, we are doing two more. We're doing one more episode of the of well, excuse me, one more episode of the Essential Ten Two, uh, starting very soon. Uh, we're going to start thinking about recording that. But after that, we're doing two episodes on Hakuoki, which is a Otome style uh, visual novel. Um, rom- uh, a uh, romantic adventure game that is going to be a panel of all women discover- discussing Hakuoki for two episodes. I'm very much looking forward to see seeing how that goes, but I will not be on those episodes because I do not qualify to be on a panel of all women. So, but uh, after Hakuoki, we have uh, most of July planned out. Wait, no, I'm sorry. It is July right now. After Hakuoki, we have most of August planned out. We are doing two episodes on Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne is one of the most requested games we've had for the podcast. Whenever RPG fan mentions SMT3 Nocturne, anything on our social media, it gets a lot of shine. And there's a lot of uh, SMT3 veterans and SMT3 newbies excited to play that. So uh, a lot of them will probably be playing the recent remake. So, so those episodes will go up in August, but I still have to start that thing because I'm still playing... Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and that game's pretty great. But um, as but I will get to SMT3 Nocturne very soon, and that will be our game for August. Also, episode 300 of the podcast is going to land in August, and we're starting to plan that out. I'm really excited. It's gonna um, that episode will end with a uh, a means of selecting a future RPG RPG fan retro encounter game. But I don't know how it's going to go yet because we have not recorded it yet. But uh, plans for episode 300 are in the works. Uh, but I think that's about all for now. Um, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for this very, very long episode. Uh, and uh, thank you, panelists, for suffering with me on this long, long panel. We're going to get to another 10 next week, and I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, but listeners, if you want to join in on the discussion, the best way to do so is email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on our message boards or visit our Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter, Discord, YouTube, Twitch, something streaming every day, something happening every day. Please interact with us however you want to interact with us. You can also listen to our other fine podcasts, Random Encounter about randomness, Rhythm Encounter about RPG music finally making a comeback in 2021, and Phoenix Edge also making a comeback in 2021, weekly, mostly about current events. You can review Retro Encounter or those other three podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, however you are listening to us. Please listen. Please give feedback. We love listeners and we love feedback. But uh, listeners, how can you interact with us at a more individual level, uh, starting with Alana? Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Alana Hakes, or you can find me on Discord as Alana. And Eva. You can find me on RPG Fan social media accounts, or you can find me on my personals as at Eva Lease. And Peter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I Have Fury, um, or you can email me Peter T at RPGFan.com. And last but not least, Zach. Uh, you can email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. And actually, last and actually the least, it's my turn. Uh, you can find me on oh, social media at The Real Monsoon on Twitter most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times, and RPG Fans Discord. I am Monsoon Mike. And listeners, thank. Wait, wait a second. There's a, a, a new a new challenger has entered the ring. <laughs> All right, Look, looks like that there's a 21st game that's going to be discussed next week, and that game is Devil May Cry 5. Thank you. Hey. Good night. <laughs> Good luck. Pull my devil trigger. Dame da